0: Hey, welcome to the 265th episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony and this is a podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash jmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the Secret Podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. I recently talked about John Byrne Fantastic Four Comics from the 80s. I, I want to keep going, but I decided to put a pause on that. This past last week, I talked about a movie, Livy Newton John movie from 1983. Two of a kind Living in John John Travolta. I'd never seen it before. It's, I don't know how it, it's it's such a such a weird, bizarre, and, and kind of funny. It's 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 funny looking back. Um, so you can hear about that. And um, this week, I don't even know what I'm gonna do this this week. I haven't even thought about that. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com/slash gman from heck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or four. That is ko fi.com slash gman from heck. And, you know, I, I hate to say it. I hate to ask. Anything can help. Uh, you know, This time of year is always hard for me. So, like September, October, my Podbean um, hosting fee is due. My uh, Disney Plus, I, I do yearly. So that's due. My Marvel Unlimited is due. My uh, DC Infinite, whatever that thing is, it comes up. It's just like, oh, my God. Everything just, like, it's horrible. Oh, and then, wait, did I say Marvel? Marvel Unlimited? I think I said it. Anyways, what's going on with this show? I was started saying, any way you want. Um, anyways, <laughs> I'm so off off topic already. This week, ooh, uh, okay, decision time. I, I debated back and forth. The, the feature, I guess, is going to be Don't Worry, Darling. We'll go with the theatrical movie. I debated... Having that as a feature or Star Wars Andor since there's three episodes. Star Wars Andor will be the the second, whatever, right right before that. Um there's also with along with all the regular stuff, I didn't get as much Cobra Kai as I wanted. This this week was insane. Um there's just and there's so much to cover. I actually I decided to cut Lord of the Rings for this week. I don't I maybe I was I was there's just three things that we could do I could do. Either I could just be a week behind, which would make life easier for me and give you time to watch and everything like that. I could double up next week and do the next you know this week's and next weeks' for next episode, or I could just cut it completely. i I'm enjoying the show. I'm I'm not like married to the show. I'm not I don't dig the show. I don't love the show. I do dig the show. I don't love the show. And I think part of the thing is where how many episodes in? So that I've seen 4 episodes. I actually still haven't watched the 5th episode. So we're 4 4 episodes in, 5 episodes in. And I feel like while there's stuff happening, there's not a whole lot of stuff happening. And I think part of the problem is because it's split. You have to, like there's, what, at least three different, four different core characters, like groups of characters. I I just, I don't even know what's going And where's the friggin' Rings of Power? I d- don't think I've seen them. So, I, I don't know. I may, I don't, I have to decide. If you have any thoughts, you can let me know. But what else do we have? So, um, I think I'm only going to do maybe three more Cobra Kais, and I'm going to have to finish that the following week. Uh, like I said, I thought I, I'd do more. Rick and Morty, House of the Dragon, Patience, Stargirl, She-Hulk, all that. And I'm also going to briefly talk about the first episode of Quantum Leap. So I've been kind of talking about that in the news lately. So I thought, well, I should probably watch it. You'll hear what I thought. If it was like thumbs up, thumbs down. Am I going to continue uh, with that or not? You'll, you, you can hear about that. As far as the news, so with Fantastic Four... It sounds like they have some writers, Jeff Kaplan and Ian Springer, are going to be writing it. Now, I believe there's a different Jeff Kaplan, which because I remember I saw I forget who someone's writing. They're like Jeff Kaplan, this, whatever. So it's, there's a, it's a different Jeff Kaplan. These two guys, I guess, don't have a lot of credits or a lot of stuff that they've done, but they did a disaster wedding, which I'm not even sure what that is. Um, so looks like they're going to be the writers. So yeah, I I assume. You know, they, they've thought very carefully and they have a good idea, pitch, or however it works. The movie is supposed to be November 8th, 2024. So we're 22. So it's like two years from now. It seems like a long time. It doesn't seem like that long, you know, because they have to. I, I feel like a lot is riding on this. This could be potent, this could be like a big franchise. If you look at the last two Fantastic Four movies, I didn't mind them so much. They had some problems, but there are some some decent things. Although I haven't watched them in like decades or whatever, so I can't really speak to them. I should probably watch those. Maybe I should watch those for again like, on the secret podcast at some point. But this could potentially be because I feel like with Avengers, even though we you know we have two two Avengers movies coming out, I feel like Avengers is like in this weird limbo place. You know, without Captain America and Iron Man, and even Black Widow. It's like, you know, who are the Avengers? And and yeah, you can constantly have different characters, but if you're looking cuz you know, we don't have Black Panther, who who who's going to carry the Avengers? You know, who who could we have? And yeah, we have, you know, all these other characters and but I I feel like without Iron Man and Captain America, which Iron Man whatever, he's a j- big jerk sometimes, it'll be interesting to see can they Achieved the success that they had with the past Avengers movies. I, I'm sure the answer is yes, because I, well, at least for me, I've been loving you know what Disney's been doing. But we have Fantastic Four could be another potential franchise. You know that doesn't have to be Avenger core related. And you know eventually, whenever they do X Men, there's that too. Obviously, Eternals. I don't think that hit as as much as they hoped it w- would have done. I'm sure they, they were playing like, oh, we could do you know all these Eternals movies and you know like all these characters, we can do spinoffs. And I still need to watch that a second time. I've only watched it once. And um, yeah, I don't know about that. Speaking of Avengers and and who's still around, and all that Don Cheadle. Uh, not Avengers. You see, so he's going to have Armor Wars, which we're supposed to find out more about about Rhodey and and like who he really is as a character and stuff like that. But aside non Marvel stuff, he's going to be producing a movie for the comic Rogues Gallery. So I've been talking about about this comic. Um, Hannah Rose May wrote wrote this comic. I I'm really digging it. She she came out this comic with with uh, Justin Mason and Declan Shelby, and basically. If you haven't been listening to the comics section for whatever strange reason, Rogue's Gallery is is this comic book character. There's this actress who's played this character in this TV show. I think it was eight seasons. I could be totally wrong with that. And she has this like hardcore fan base and stuff like that. But some of the fan base is like angry with her because, of course, right, this is like a little like too close to home this group wants to set like this heist to like rob her place, but it's it ends up getting darker than that. You know, some of them have like darker schemes and things get, uh, I think, I think issue three was issue three this week. We'll, we'll, we'll hear about it. And it was, we get to the comic section. I can't remember. I, I think I just read it. I'm, I'm I feel like I'm like in a time flux time machine. I don't know what's going on, what I did and what I didn't do or what I haven't done yet. And, but uh, that, that's, that's cool. Um, I, I'm, I'm excited for that. And it's, it's, it's a really good comic. I'm really enjoying it. It's a rogues gallery. You, you should just image comics. You should definitely look into that. Scanners. Are you, are you a Scanners fan? Have you ever watched Scanners? So Scanners, I think it was 40 years ago that it came out. I remember when, when we first got our DVR, DVR, VH, VCR, way back, I remember going to the video store. It was a Team Electronics in Algonquin, Illinois. If, if you are from that area, you know what I'm talking about. Long gone is so sad. that There's a little strip of of a highway. Anyway, so we would go to Team Electronics rent rent movies, and this was before, way before Blockbusters. Jesus, so long ago. And I remember I always wanted to see this movie, but my I think my my dad was always like, eh, "Maybe we shouldn't." You know, he 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 was open to thing. Like I remember we rented Road Warrior, or was it Road Warrior Mad? Maybe it was Mad Max. Might have been Mad Max or I think cuz I think I saw Road Warrior before Mad Max and I didn't realize Mad Max I thought I was confused. Anyways, there HBO is is doing wants to do a series based off of Scanners like in the same universe. I need to watch Scanners again. And uh David Cronenberg is uh going to be a, an executive producer. Okay, I'm 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 definitely intrigued with that. Uh we'll see what what's going to happen. Uh we're also going to see what's going to happen soon. There is a trailer for Hulu's Hellraiser. Oh, I'm really not sure. I don't know. I, I really don't know what to think about this. You know, watch the trailer. It looks fine, but I feel like it, it could easily fall into, like, oh, let's kill these people who, let's trick them into opening this box. I mean, there's this dude who has a box and he's, he's trying to trick people into opening it. So you know you can summon the Cenobites probably if I don't know if they're called Cenobites. maybe I'm sure they will be. but um, we'll see and and the whole female pinhead thing, you know I, I I'm on the fence and I, I'm not against it. I'm not like, oh I'm not gonna watch this that's that's wrong. And I guess you know if you go back to original book, it talks about I, I think there's there's even a line that says like pinhead's voice was a little like high pitch or something like that And it's supposed to be androgynous and not really clear but it, it i guess it doesn't really matter you know it's it's not a continuation it's not oh, I don't even know what it is so i'm i'm okay with with i'm okay with them doing a female pinhead i don't know if it's necessary but who cares whatever i just just give me an awesome movie is, is what i what i want to see and i'm really intrigued with with the character's design i a couple weeks ago two weeks ago i think I, I tried drawing a picture of this new pinhead, and with, that was when there was only like one. No, there's like, I think like two images came out. I started when the first one was out, and I thought that she was wearing kind of like a like a a, a blouse a dress or something like that. I thought there was like straps on her shoulders, and then you see this other image, and it's like no, those are huge gouges, like slashes in her shoulder. And and then her neck is just so interesting. It's just like all kind of opened up, and it's and and my daughter actually pointed it out to me. She's like, "Oh, that looks like like a like a choker or like a, like a little pock gro- brooch or what I forgot what what she said, but a little thing like in the neck." And you, so in the trailer, we do get more of a glimpse and. Uh, I I am excited. I'm excited. I'm scared. I'm super. I'm not scared to watch the movie. I'm not scared like like it's gonna be a scary movie. I'm scared that I'm gonna be like have my heart broken because I I love Hellraiser. Oh, we'll see. I'm I'm trying to be like optimistic, like excited for this. The other thing I'm I'm excited for. I should have started with this. There's this movie coming out. Um, oh man, I forgot the date now. I think it's o- October. It's called Dangerous Games: The Legacy Murders. So, if you watch it, it's a little kind of like uh, Saw-related, a little like Ready or Not, you know, whatever. Has Jonathan Rhys Meyers? Has a John Voight, I believe. The what is so incredibly awesome? The movie is written by Brian Buccellato. That that makes me so happy. So Brian Brian is a great guy. I, I I'm happy to call Brian a friend. Brian as you may know he was a co-writer and colorist on the Flash during the New 52 him and Francis Manapul that's such a great flash one of my favorite flash runs they did that they worked on on um, detective comics it's just really great, great stuff and you know he Brian's in other stuff he did Sons of the Devil he did Cannibal he has a devil chicken devil chicken devil <laughs> from you should, which you should read that i'm actually behind on that I, I actually just or i didn't realize i was waiting for the tra- i started reading it on comiXology and the thing is comiXology trying to read under there is just like trying to buy it and it's just i so i was waiting for the trade to come out and i the trade somehow snuck out and i, so I was like oh the trade is out so i ordered it so i, I just got that just last weekend um past weekend yeah, so I'm I'm super excited for this. I, I I I'm so I'm so proud of him. I'm so happy for him. Uh, so it, oh, yeah. Well, he 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 texted me like the trailer didn't say I'm like holy crap, <laughs> written by Brian Bucciolato. That that's just really cool. Andor, which we'll be talking about, season two, is not coming out until probably 2024. So they're gonna start filming in November, like November to August, and then you got to do all the post production and everything like that. So you just gotta be patient. Uh, And which is another reason is like, why are you showing three episodes in one week when you could? That's like two more weeks you could have, you know, dragged it out, drug it out, drag it out. (laughs) So whatever. There is another trailer called Knock at the Cabin. So this is M Night Shyamalan. Shyamalan. I don't know what to think about this movie. I I love M. Night Shyamalan movies. I loved old, you know, if you know me, you know I loved Unbreakable and Glass and not Splinter, Shattered. What's the other one movie? Prey? No. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I trust, I'm I'm serious. I I do. I do (laughs) love his movies. Uh, Not all of them, though. So um this the, the, I don't want to talk about the trailer cuz I know some people are like oh, I don't want to watch a trailer but it's you start watching it is it makes it's it's almost like that that's not the twist I don't think that there's got to be a different twist and the, all the movies don't have to have necessarily a twist but there is there's definitely some you like oh my okay I see where this is going and then it's like doop something else happens Uh Dave Batista is in the movie and you know there's some other people so I'm Intrigued. So I watch when you watch a trailer, you'll see like what, what is Dave Batista doing when you know he what he says in there and that's just like what the heck is this mean? Where is this gonna go? So I'm I'm super duper curious. It's not coming out till February. I think it was like February 3rd. It's like, oh man. So we have that. Um, the other thing we're still waiting for, but maybe it's getting a little bit closer, is Invincible Season 2. There's still no date, no idea, but Kari Payton, and I hope he doesn't get in trouble for this, he was doing an interview or something like that, and he said that they they, they finished with Invincible Season 2, and they're on to Season 3 already, because it's been renewed for Season 2 and 3. Um, I think that there is a mention that, or that the possibility that there was delays at the animation studio, I think things kind of got backed up or whatever like that. So, not to burst anyone's bubble, but just being done with Season 2 doesn't necessarily mean it's that much closer. They may not have even started the animating process yet. I, I don't know how it works. I assume... See, I, I, I've always wondered. I, I don't know. I've, I've interviewed so many voice actors. I don't know why I've never asked this. I assume they record the audio and then animate around it to try to fit the animation semi-close to the mouth movement to kind of get the words, whether it's just like open-close like Muppets, like pop bop, 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 bop. But I don't think they would, it doesn't make sense that they would animate it and then have the voice over because, yeah, yeah. what if someone decides to deliver their line really slow, Pilgrim? I don't know why I threw it went that way. I hope it's 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 soon because the first season was good I I should watch it I would watch it again if if I didn't have like a million other things to watch including Better Call Saul I'm so far behind I started like watching like over the summer was it a summer it feels like it was longer no it's got to been before that because I had never watched Better Better Call Saul before I started watching the first I think I'm on season two I got to be on season two I'm pretty sure and, and then, so I was, like, watching, like, a lot of episodes, and I got delayed and everything, or I got interrupted with other stuff, and then I know the final season's out, but uh, good news, bad news, well, I mean, so that, that's apparently over, and I'm doing my best to avoid, like, any and all spoilers or just anything about it. Vince Gilligan, creator Better Call Saul and co-creator, I believe, of, of uh, Breaking Bad, and I cannot believe some people, there are people, believe it or not, there are people out there who have never watched Breaking Bad. Or better call Saul. And I'm like, are you crazy? And if you're one of them, you don't get offended that I'm calling it crazy, but you are. But anyways, Vince Gilligan is doing a new show at Apple TV Plus with Rhea Seahorn, who is was on Better Call Saul, and it's already has a has a two season commitment. I don't think they've said anything about it. I don't know if there's any any hints or whatever, I saw one, where did I see it? Someone called it like a Twilight Zone-esque, but then the other place I saw it didn't even mention anything. They're like, there's there's nothing known about it. So, we'll see, but I'll, I'll definitely check it out. Uh, what about Sandman? Uh, is it getting a second season or what? No idea. There's still no word on that. Neil Gaiman tweeted some stuff, and he said that basically they've been data harvesting like i guess looking at how many people have been watching and stuff like that i think people were have been watching this slower they haven't been binging it savoring it watching it so people don't want don't need it to binge so i don't i don't know what the data harvesting thing really means but it was like the top watched show like in the top 10 when you you know go on to netflix and and he's like, bugging Netflix to renew it, that's not going to help. But that's a problem for me. You watch these shows, you get invested, and then they don't get renewed. So it's just like, well, why, why did I waste my time? And I know you could look at it as, well, at least you had that first cool season or semi-enjoyable season. Uh, I don't know. But there's that. The last bit of news... Uh, there's going to be a trailer for Super Mario Brothers this week. Oh my goodness, this is going to be so bad. So on, is it, wait, is it this week or is it next week? No, no, no. It's, well, it, hey, October 6th. When's October 6th? At, I think they're showing it at, at New York Comic Con. Or maybe we're getting a teaser this week and then the trailer comes out on the I don't have a calendar in front of me. But October 6th, the trailer's supposed to come out. Just, I just don't know. I, I'm just really curious. Is is it going to be Chris Pratt? Mario's Chris Pratt? Or is it going to be Chris Pratt trying to do a Mario accent? And would that be insulting? I, nowadays, you can't do that? I really don't know. But what I do know is that is going to be the news for the week. All right. With comics at Image Comics, there was a I. I didn't know anything about this. There's a creep show comic coming out, and I'd be perfectly honest. The main reason I read this was because Chris Burnham is is involved. He writes and draws the the first story. There's also a story by Paul Dini, and uh, and uh, Stephen Langford, and then we have art by also John McCree. The the first story I, I I really liked it. It's it's a I guess what you would expect in a in a creep show story. It's <laughs> I don't want to spoil it, but there's like some kids trick or treating and uh, things don't go too well for, for them. And then what was I don't even remember what the second story was. But it, it's it's interesting. And my thing on like horror, it's it's almost the same thing. Like horror horror comics and sci-fi comics. Sometimes they just don't work for me. They just I don't know what it is. But sometimes the color it just it feels too artificial doesn't feel and i know it was like how i guess maybe because superhero comics are supposed to be so vibrant and everything like that even when they're, they're dark and gritty they, they seem to work but there's something about horror and and sci-fi comics that sometimes it just it just looks too fake too too artificial too i don't i don't know but this was good and chris burnham's art is is, is really cool so i i like that um Will I continue reading that? Maybe, because it, it, was, it wasn't was too bad. So I I think I'm, I may continue to read that. And then there wasn't really a whole lot. There. Let's see, there, there was a public domain issue for... So the public domain, this is by Chip Zdarsky and... This is an interesting story. So public domain. It's it's basically you got got this this guy sold the rights to his superhero to the big studio. It's this huge franchise, kind of like like Marvel Avengers level, you know, blockbuster movies and everything. And then you got this poor creator who basically gets squat out of it. You know, he's got like nothing. And um, see now I'm wondering how much I should spoil, but. It turns out there's like this this old contract that says like maybe he does own some rights or something like that, and then it's like what's he gonna do? And um, it's it's just interesting thinking about this, and it's it's a uh, it's kind of like a, a not not that it's a touchy subject, but it's just so weird. And there's also the fact when you you look at this, like you you know you look at I don't know how much credit. Say this is it's so hard, hard to say that because I, I always use like Superman in a, as an example. You know, there's a whole thing, you know, Siegel and Schuster. Yes, they created Superman, and you know, they are owed, you know, we owe them so much for, for creating this, this amazing character. But when you look at like the original character compared to how he's evolved over the years, like beyond what Siegel and Schuster ever did. You know, are they inspired by the original character? Or, you know, the, you can't negate what other creators have, have added to the character and just to flesh them out and make them more just whatever. And, you know, you could say the same thing. Like, let's take Thor for an example. You know, Thor's been in comics since the 60s. And, you know, not, if, not even if you, if you don't even think about like the, the North mythology and all that, but you have this character who's been in comics for so long. I've kind of felt like Thor's was boring sometimes. Like when it's Thor stories in Asgard, I've said this like a hundred times, Thor stories in Asgard, they don't always excite me, but it's more when Thor's on earth fighting whoever, even if it's like Loki or even any Asgardian characters or being with the Avengers, those are, are more fun for me. But with all of that, you look at how successful the Thor movies are, how much is that, Credited to the original creators or the comics, even you know any of the creators of comics, versus the magic of the cinema and Chris Hemsworth and just you know whoever wrote his dialogues and direction and, and all that. You so you could say the same thing like Iron Man. You know people knew who Iron Man was. You know Iron Man had Force Works and an animated show and he had a an animated show in, in the '60s, but Robert Downey Jr. really added a different level of life to the character. So it's, it's hard to say when, who, you know, the original credits creator should be credited and compensated, but it's just, I don't know. It's, it's kind of like a, a touchy area, but maybe, maybe it's not, you know, and, and I wouldn't really know because, you know, the only thing I've helped create is comic Vine and yeah, that's, that's a different story as, as well. And I, I should go down that, that route. But it's 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 a definitely an interesting comic. So long story short, you should be reading public domain. It's a, it's it's very interesting to, to think about like that situation. Then there's a Rogues Gallery number three. So I, I talked about this in in the news. I'm I'm super excited. I mean, and with that, I don't think I, I mentioned there's like no network or whatever who you know, studio involved. But it's Don Cheadle's production company, I guess. So hopefully something cool will happen with this. But. Uh, in Rose gallery issue three the story kind of like takes this turn where we start to see like how things like what this group of these cosplayers or whatever like what they have in mind and it's not spoiler it's not all of them so you know things are are, are kind of getting a um, little little dark and I think the trade I think the trade might be coming out oh, I forgot when it was like November December. So I mentioned before, you definitely should be be reading Rogues Gallery. It's I it really I'm really digging that, that comic. Then um, there is Vanish. So Vanish is a new comic from Donny Cates and Ryan Stegman. So that right there kind of tells you what to expect in terms of quality. So you know it, it's it's a cool story, and the first issue it it kind of has to set the tone, set the stage, and do everything like that. And we kind of get this really intriguing world set up and um it wasn't quite what I what I expected but you know there's like kind of like some magic involved and just I say I don't even know you we, we kind of get like a flashback seeing like some characters and this this being this world conquer type of you know dude then we have our character in the beginning and who exactly is a vanish or what is vanish why is this called vanish I, I don't really want to get into that but it's um ryan stegman's art is just it's just amazing and and i i feel like every time he puts something out his art just gets like better and, and better so you should definitely check that out i think it's a slightly oversized it's you know not not like a 80 or i think it was like i think it was like 40 pages maybe i, I could be wrong on that but that that was really cool um i meant to read this i, I didn't read it at boom studios there is stuff of nightmares number one so it's a four issue miniseries. It's a uh, by R.L. Stein. Um, I wasn't a big R.L. Stein fan because that was like after my generation, or whatever. So I wasn't like into like the the books. But he's back. So R.L. Stein is back, but not for the faint of heart. With a chilling take on an iconic character, perfect for fans of Fear Street and EC comic horror titles. In the first of Stein's reanimated re imagings you're familiar with the classic tale of a mad scientist hell-bent on creating life but when these two demented brothers have or what these two demented brothers have created is something else entirely so um i'm, I'm really curious about this the art i believe is by a.l kaplan Um, off the top of my head i'm not familiar with the style so i i think as i was saying before that's going to be the big selling point is like, how does the art and the color look? Is it going to capture like a, a horror, um, vibe? So I should, I should really try to read that. And I should try to remember to mention it next week. If, if I, if I do read it, let you know what I thought. And then, um, this week was just crazy. Uh, I did not read G.I. Joe real American hero two I'm uh, unfortunately, I'm not like super loving, this final story arc I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little bummed because it is the the last story arc at, at IDW I still don't know where it's headed to next I, I'm sure it, it's got to be out there somewhere I should I really should find out like who's gonna be, wh- what's gonna happen to J. Joe after I think it's issue 300 is the last one but I'm not super crazy about this story the last one was just is a a little 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 wacky so, I don't, I don't know what to make of that. Over at DC, there was Harley Quinn 30th Anniversary Special. So, it's, it's crazy to think that Harley has, has turned 30. And uh, so, w- with this, we get like a 100-page comic. And there's a lot here. I'm not super crazy about the 100-page comics. And... I, <sighs> You you know, you definitely get your money's worth. It's you know, it's cool to see to celebrate the character and all that, but I just feel like there's just so much to read, you know, normally that this it just it makes it hard for me, but I know that's like a, a silly argument. Anyways, with, with this we have a story written by Amanda Connor, Jimmy Palmiotti with Chad Harden. So that's cool. Alex Sinclair does a color. There was a story by Paul Dini, with art by Guillaume March. Um, let's see. There was also a Sam humphrey's story with Erica Henderson doing the art, and there is a um, Rob Williams and John Timms. So John Timms, it's weird seeing because John Timms did stories with Amanda and, and Jimmy as well. But that's the last Harley story, and I don't know how I felt about that one. That was a uh, not, yeah, there was something. And then there's a, a Stephanie Phillips and Riley Rosmo did one there's also one by step john step Stepan Sedgic i can never say that name right and there was one um mindy lee no no there's mindy lee and terry dotson uh, with terry dotson doing the pencils and rachel dotson doing the inks but there was a story stephanie phillips Cami Garcia, maybe Miko Swan. Yeah, that's a uh, tied to that um, Black Label Harley book. I forget what that's called. Is it called a Harley? I feel like something else. It's uh, if you, if you love Harley, there's uh, a lot to celebrate there. So don't miss that. And and there's a bunch of different covers. You know, there's some. I think there's at least two Amanda covers, but there's uh, tons of other ones. Then there's Titans United Blood Pack. This is a uh, that kind of weird. Um, Teen Titans book, where I don't really know where it fits in in terms of of continuity, because it's it's like you have the yeah it it's not in the regular continuity, and they mention I don't know if it's just a coincidence, but they they have the they advertise the HBO Titans on on the cover. I don't think it's it's necessarily tied to that but this is written by Kevin scott who i'm pretty sure wrote that last that previous teen titans story which was was interesting because you know you had nightwing and you had jason todd on the same team so that kind of felt like it was more kind of like the titans hbo the, the tv show vibe uh lucas meyer does the, the art here and this was a if if you accept this as like an out of continuity tale, then you know there, there's some some cool stuff here, and the nice thing about that is you know it it gives them a little freedom to go outside the box basically, and you know you don't you're not hindered by like oh world without the Justice League or you know whatever you know random storylines going on, so uh, it's it's definitely interesting, and you know so we we and not only do we have Nightwing, but we also have. Tim Drake, and we have Beast Boy, we have Starfire, Donna Troy, uh, Superboy, and Raven. So it was it was interesting. I'll I'll definitely I'll check out the next one. Then we have the Flash, seven eighty six, and I I I hate to say it. I mean, it's so weird because when with when Wally has been gone, Wally West, it's just it was it was so hard, you know, because we all wanted Wally back. So now he is back, and then he's with Linda, and he's got the kids maybe there's something to it about you know like like oh superman shouldn't be married or spider-man mary jane shouldn't be married i i'm not super crazy about the kids and i don't really know what they're they're trying to do with them and you know now now iris has everyone has powers and it's just yeah and it's it's a tie into dark crisis so Uh, whatever but iris uh iris linda gets a, a costume in case you're curious, then there's Nightwing 96. So the problem here, pro- not the problem with the book, problem for Nightwing for the character, is you know he's he's been fighting for Bloodhaven, and you know Blackbuster has been doing all these schemes. Blackbuster has targeted uh, Dick Grayson because you know Dick's he funded a, a lot of money into the town to try to help the underprivileged and all this stuff like that, which gotten away a Blockbuster's plans for you know taking over everything. Uh, spoiler for the last issue, as Blockbuster and and uh, Nightwing are fighting, Nightwing's little tiny mask falls off, and he's like, "You're Dick Grayson." So it's just like, "Oh crap, what is he gonna do now?" And uh, so there's a little of that, or a lot of that gets gets picked up here. But I, I do like the fact, like the support. I I love that we have Batgirls, like she's such a big part of this this book, and having like other allies involved that it's it's even though it's Nightwing's book it's a solo book but he's not closed off from the rest of the world so I love the fact that like when Dick Grayson was being targeted that like the Teen Titans were were there to protect him because you know the to try to make it not no to hide the fact that Dick is Nightwing that he doesn't need all this protection so it, it's it's been I, I'm really really enjoying this book then we have deceased War of the Undead Gods. So continuing from deceased, where you know, basically DC Zombies is is what it was. There was a, a cure that was found, but we're now we're seeing like some of the remnants and trying to pick up the pieces. But it's things aren't all happy and resolved. You know, they may have found a cure. There's still some serious problems, and uh, the serious problem goes by the name of Dark Side. and we have basically it's a zombie dark side which is makes him more unstoppable so yeah just bad things happening here uh dc versus vampire all-out war so this is a this is interesting this book uh so this is matthew rosenberg and um this is kind of like the offshoot book where they may have found a cure for the vampires as well, but you know it, they have to do some things and uh, they need to find certain people. It, this story involves like going to like a, a vampire blood farm where they, you know was it? I, forget. I don't think they call it a blood farm but where they have some people held captive and they're they're not they don't want to kill them and they don't want to like turn them, but they there's someone there that they need and uh someone shows up to claiming to be an ally can they trust this person and so forth and then the the backup story there's more on uh i almost spoiled the the king vampire if, if you've been reading you know who i'm talking about but more on how this person became the king vampire so there's some some, some good stuff there dark crisis young justice number four this has just been okay uh, young justice basically Tim Drake, Connor, uh, Superboy, and uh, Impulse Bart—they've found themselves in this other like worlds, which is kind of like what's been happening to the Justice League apparently. So you know they're supposed to be dead, but they've really been taken. They're put in these like fake worlds, and I don't know like what the what the purpose is. Like somehow their energies being siphoned. I don't know, but we have that with uh, Young Justice, and it. It's okay, you know. I, I, I love seeing the characters gather and, and seeing you know uh, Wonder Girl and even Arrowette you know, having her back. And, and so there's some some okay stuff here. Catwoman forty seven. I didn't like this this issue. I've been you know enjoying the, the series more lately. But we have Catwoman kind of going on vacation with that dude, and I don't remember this, this guy's name. I don't really care for this guy so much. The way he's drawn in this issue, I'm pretty sure is a different artist. It, he just looks—I <laughs> don't know—like you know, he's supposed to be just like super cool and good-looking and suave guy. And and just, there's a, just a couple panels where it just looks kind of cheesy and it just doesn't really convey. But what do I know? Because I'm a dude that doesn't isn't attracted by other good-looking, smooth or suave dudes. So I was just—it it just felt like really cheesy and just didn't really achieve. There's one where it like looked like he had like a small foot, which again, no, no offense to small feet drawing artists, but uh, yeah, and it's just yeah, I don't know where where this is going, and I, I don't know what Catwoman's doing, and I don't understand what what's what, with her and, and Bruce like Batman already ever going to get back together or it's completely done? I don't know black adam issue four i don't know what to make of this series you know we have black adam's dying and he's like ready to be bequeath his power to like a potential descendant and everything like that he's dying but i could be wrong i think this is taking place before death of the justice league so this is i think it's a 10 issue series or 12 issues and it's just uh, i don't know where this is going and i'm not i'm not the biggest black adam fan so I mean I didn't even mention Black Adam in the news. I, I I don't think there was another trailer. I think the trailer was last week. Maybe there's a trailer this week. I know there's a new poster which is very similar to the poster of Black Adam, uh, or the image of the cover of Black Adam sitting like on a throne, whatever. But I love Dwayne Johnson. I just don't feel see him as as Black Adam. But whatever. Um, so this comic, I'm I'm intrigued with it. Like who this this new you know what what's what are they gonna do with this character? You know is he You know why are you going to get rid of Black Adam and have this other guy? Or are we going to get both? I don't know. Then we have Batman the Knight, issue nine. So this is a Chip Zdarsky book, which is basically Bruce Wayne training around the world. I don't like the fact that everyone knows that this is that he's Bruce Wayne, that he's like training, and you you have all these people that are going to be aware is like, why is this rich playboy doing all this stuff? And like, wait, he goes back to Gotham and then Batman who's his Batman characters start showing up doing all this stuff. So I I feel like there's just so many people out there that are like getting kind of in on the secret. And maybe there's just no way of telling like what he has planned, why he's doing any of this, but I would have preferred it if he was just more anonymous when he's, he's just going around everywhere. And with this, he's a, track down he he's come into contact with Rachel ghoul and Talia and oh also um ghostmaker is is in this as, as well Batman Superman world's finest number seven this um, I, I'm enjoying this this series and uh, this issue was kind of weird because it's called a uh, strange visitor chapter one and very reminiscent to superman story we have someone sent to earth in a ship you know planet blows up but it's not quite what you think you know it's, uh, i guess I, was, I don't know how much of a, it is a spoiler it doesn't come from an alien planet so then you might be like what do you taught how can that be so um, there's definitely some interesting things like i don't know what what they're going to do with this this character but uh i i there's something about it just seeing batman and superman and Robin and I love Robin's like youthful enthusiasm and just just the way he like approaches everything and it's just a it's, it's it's a fun book I'm I'm really digging it and then Batman One Bad Day uh, Two Face so this is by Mariko Tamaki and Javier uh, Fernandez so it's it's a not quite as intense as the Riddler story the Riddler story was weird with how it ended like what basically what it meant and i almost felt like that was has has to be like out of continuity like it can't be anywhere close to what's going on with like just the stuff that that riddler does and what he proclaims and and stuff like that with this two-face story you know yeah it doesn't fit in with whatever the heck is going on with two-face and and uh uh task force z where he's kind of good but um it was definitely interesting to see now one thing, no offense. and I'm not saying I'm like some brilliant detective myself, but there was one little twist. It's not really, I don't even know if you'd want to call it a twist or a development, but it's something that I kind of called like right when it came out, I'm like, Oh, it's, it's obviously going to be blank, blank, whatever. And it turned out that that was a case. So I don't know if it's meant to be like obvious. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm not trying to give myself like way too much credit, but Maybe it wasn't. I, I don't know. It just maybe I'm just so suspicious of, of everything, everyone. So it, it was a, a fine story. Uh, there are some parts with the way the Harvey part looked. I didn't. We we we've seen like so many different versions of Harvey Dent. I feel like that I don't even know what his true appearance should look like, and don't even get me started on. on like, what color skin does Two Face have? You know, his his other side, but. Harvey I I didn't really like the way his hair looked and and I don't know, it just it didn't that's not how he envisioned Harvey Dent. And I just feel like there's so many versions. You know, you got the animated version, just even in comics there's so many versions over the years. But um, that that was a that was a a good story. I I I like so many things that that came about in that. Then over at Marvel, so we had Axe Judgment Day, there's one, oh man, now I don't remember which one it was. There was one comic where something crazy happens. Um, it might have been that book. Okay, so no. So a- Avengers Judgment Day, issue 60. What's weird about this is this comic, It's a, so it's a, a Judgment Day tie-in, but it's not a Jason Aaron comic. And it's not in this Avengers Forever story arc or whatever. So this was by Mark Russell with uh, art by Greg Land, and this is basically a Hawkeye story. So it's it's Hawkeye being so in the, this Judgment Day story, you got this celestial god is judging everyone whether you know humanity deserves to live, and it's up to it's like Hawkeye. Oh no wait wait, I'm totally wrong. Okay, I'm talking about Avengers 60. I think I said Axe Judgment Day. Yeah, so Avengers 60 is a hawkeye, is clearly a hawkeye. So that okay, I was a little confused there with that. So um, yeah, there's uh, the, it, I mean it was it was a good story with with hawkeye and everything like that. But yeah, the art sometimes was a little mm. And then with uh, Avengers Forever issue 9 This was just another. Hey, guess what? Here we have some other version of Carol Danvers, and um, I really don't care. And then at the end, we will see some Avengers character. And I don't know how long this is going on, going to go on for, because this is issue nine. And I'm just, I'm so tired of seeing all these different versions of characters, and for the, the sake of them, Joining up or whatever to fight Mephisto or whoever they're fighting, um, at or not? What am I type at? So then, what I was uh, getting at before: Avengers, X Men, Eternals, Judgment Day. This is issue. What issue is this? This is five. We see some more fighting. Uh, you know, it, it's nice seeing like Captain America working with like the Avengers and 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 everything like that. Now. See something something pretty big happens here, and I don't know if I should. I, I don't know if I should spoil. It. I, I know it's been. I'm sure it's been spoiled. Like uh, article, like quote unquote news articles. There's a, a a big battle going on, and Captain America is with Nightcrawler, and Nightcrawler gets toasted. No problem, right? Because Nightcrawler can just be reborn, whatever, and in one of those X Men eggs, and, and brought back. Spoiler. I, I gotta spoil this. Captain America gets obliterated too. So basically, Captain America's dead. What are you gonna do with that? You know, because this is this is a crossover story that's like not crossing over into all the core books. You know, it is crossing over all X Men books, but it, it's I guess it's kind of crossing over to Avengers now, but it's not crossing over into the Captain America books. But what happens at the end, this is a big spoiler, and there's like one thing that I really don't like what happened, is, you know, because, like, Nightcrawler, he's, he's, when he comes back, he's like, oh, we need to get another egg, and, you know, we got to do this, and then, um, basically, it's like, okay, you know, we have so few eggs, you know, we have to do this, and, you know, like, this is against all the rules of Krakoa, but what they do is they bring back, again, huge spoiler, they bring back Captain America. How can that be? I thought this only worked on mutants. So what does this mean? Because when it came out that the X-Men were basically immortal, then people were like, like oh, you got to do this for me. And I always thought, it's like, okay, you can say all you want, but it doesn't matter because this only works on mutants. So it's not like they're hiding it from humanity. It's just, it's not compatible. Apparently it is. I don't know if, if that's how it always was meant to be. Because, you know, this is written by Kieran Gillen. And I don't know who wrote the rules and everything for the X-Men eggs, if that was Jonathan Hickman or someone else or whatever. So we have that. But What bothers me is when Captain America comes out of this egg, he busts out with his shield. Why the heck is his shield in this egg? Did they... He's like, okay, we got burnt out captain america dead husk here let's grab the shield and somehow insert it into this egg that doesn't make any sense i don't know i just think it's crazy you're just it's like such a pandora's box that they're opening this is just and 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 maybe they can say well there's limited eggs so it's not like you know no one will ever die you know they have to be super selective and and there's always you know about stuff about like people cutting the line and maybe, you know, the eggs take a long time to gestate or whatever, so, you know, that's why there's always such a big line, you know, pe- waiting. I don't know. My favorite book came out this week, Carnage. I'm kidding. I did not even look at it. I don't even know what's on the cover, and I don't want to know. Carnage 6 is out. Edges, Spider-Verse number 4 came out. Um, I don't think I, did I... I don't even know if I looked at this or, uh, because... Oh, no, I did look at this. Okay, take that back. Yeah, because there's a uh, the last laugh there's a story by jordan blum and then there is a spinster princess which i think there's i saw dan slot tweet like some i don't know if it's a youtube video or some audio where it's supposed to be kind of like a disney princess spider character and they actually had i think it was um i forgot who it was i don't i think it might have been the The woman who did, sang Jasmine's and Aladdin's her her stuff. I didn't read that. I don't need a Disney princess spider person. But dancelot wrote a Spidermobile story. Okay, and then there's a Sun Spider story. I'm just for this is like for me it's like Avengers Forever. It's like we're getting all these different versions of characters. I don't care. You know. Yeah. You're you're gonna introduce them and then have them all fight more lunar or whoever the heck but whatever I don't care. Fantastic four uh issue forty seven so this is written by David Pepo's um Juan the art and this was a judgment day comic the cool thing about this comic this is uh there's a lot of focus on on Sue Storm Sue Richards in here but how this uh nemesis that they have that she has to deal with comes about i felt like like really like that you you're that gullible that you fell for that or whatever but you know, i guess given the situation it's it's not really unheard of i guess but so that that was okay that was good i i like seeing you know sue get the spotlight then there's iron cat issue 4 so more on felicia and tony stark fighting the old nemesis Fel- felicia's nemesis and everything like that and it's it's jed mckay so this is just I, i'm enjoying that book uh jane foster and a mighty thor issue four i'm uh, yeah i i, I kind i like the concept i, I love I, and there's something about it where i really really enjoy jane as thor not so much as valkyrie I just find her so much more interesting as Thor for some reason than as Valkyrie. So I don't know what it is but there's also stuff with Thor and, and the two of them like reuniting again and so there's there some some good moments there. Uh, Legion of X issue 5 I did not read that and then there's New Mutants 30 this was a oversized issue it was supposed to be a celebration fortieth. I guess it's 40th anniversary of the New Mutants and i started reading it and then i i lost interest it's basically they're telling different stories of like past events so i, I guess you know they're they're looking at a way to showcase the history of the new mutants and tell different stories of different eras bring in different writers and artists and stuff like that but basically it, it's turning it's the way it happens is someone's like oh let me tell you about this let me tell you about you know just sharing different moments in their time which to me, it's like, okay, yeah, I can appreciate a celebratory issue, but I feel like we don't really gain a whole lot out of that. You know, it's, it's, there's nothing wrong with it. You know, you can get the fun and enjoyment out of it, but it's just not what I want. Then there is Star Wars Darth Vader, issue 27. So, more on Darth Vader working with Sabe, uh, Padme's handmaiden or whatever yeah i think there's a handmaiden like decoy handmaiden and fighting up against uh uh red crimson crimson dawn and stuff so it's interesting i don't know what to make of like the stuff that darth vader is doing and like what his mindset must be so it's just kind of interesting i just really love the fact that we have sabe here and i i wish like how amazing would it be if, if they could get kira knightley to reprise a role it's in, in something You know that that would be cool to see. Then there is Strange Issue Six. So this story is really focused on Wong, and you know he's trying to get to the bottom of this blasphemy cartel to figure out like what's going on. He um he we we see he's he's carrying a lot of guilt. You know because his life has been dedicated to like serving the Sorcerer Supreme, and it's the same thing his dad did. And the fact that you know you don't expect to outlive the sorcerer supreme and here the sorcerer supreme steven died on his watch type of thing so he's like kind of blaming himself like that but there's there's some other um, cool moments in there so I, i'm just i'm enjoying that series and then uh there's x-men legends i didn't read that so it's by roy thomas uh and it's yeah the, the cover art kind of threw me off a little bit you know, it's just it looked a little exaggerated, you know it's very stylistic but I'm sure maybe it's not that bad inside. Um, the last issue I read was Exterminators number one. So this is by Leah Williams. Uh, what's weird about this, Carlos Gomez does art. This is um, supposedly not an all-age book there's there's like a a warning under i'm trying to see if there's anything on the cover it's interesting i'm looking on a marvel app and i'm not seeing like unless i'm totally missing it because normally it says whether it's it's teen or mature but when you flip the first very first thing content advisory warning like like middle half of the page mature audiences only Contains crude humor, alcohol usage, partial nudity, which I don't recall that, st- strobe effects, violence, and some of your favorite mutants acting like absolute dumbasses. Readers, reader discretion is advised. It wasn't really, like, it's not like totally mature, you know, hardcore X-Men book, but... Uh, there's definitely some interesting things here. So there's Dazzler, Jubilee, and Boom Boom uh, getting into some some mischief. So it was a uh, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, I don't know what to think, but it it was it was, was fine. Boom Boom, I mean, when did she become like an alcoholic? Because it feels like she's constantly drinking or wanting to drink. Or so I don't I don't know. I mean, drinking is not cool. They don't don't try to make the kids think. Although it's not for kids, so I guess it doesn't matter. Uh, but what I guess what I think doesn't matter either, because I'm done talking about comics. That is comics for the week. OK, and now Rick and Morty season six, episode three, Bethic Twin Instinct. Bethic t- t- Basic. Oh, it's supposed to be like Bethic basic instinct, Bethic Twin Instinct. Uh, so it starts off. Morty's playing video games. This turkey smashed into like the or it hits like the, the patio door and it turns into Rick. And Morty's like, like, what are you, a turkey vampire now? So Space Mom got Morty this new high-tech video game, and she's there for the weekend. It's actually Thanksgiving, so she's she's there for, for dinner or anything like that. Jerry gives this toast. He, like, toasts to Beth, the Beth who chose him. And then he he keeps going on, like, if anything were to happen to him, he couldn't live. He He's, like, he did his own life. And they're like, okay, you know, things get a little awkward. So Morty, like, toasts to America, and Rick toasts, he's he toasts the ending the to toast. And then they're about to start eating and Jerry's like just to be clear, I'd kill myself. They're like, yeah, yeah, we know. So it's weird because Jerry's like just so I didn't think he's so like I don't know, it seems like he's very attached to Beth and well they had their they broke up and I don't know. So Beth and space Beth 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 <laughs> Beth and space Beth are doing dishes. Space Beth, this is going to be hard for me to do this segment. Space Beth says that, you know, because uh, Beth is like, well, oh, I'll fix up, you know, the, the man cave for you. And she's like, oh, no, I'll, I'll just sleep in my car. You know, it's kind of like, it's her it's car. She means her spaceship thing. She's like, oh, it was kind of like a TARDIS thing, you know, bigger on the inside or whatever. Beth's back is like aching. She's like, oh, here, let me fix. And she cracked. And then they're like just drinking wine or everything like that. But she like knew exactly where her back hurt and, and stuff like that. So the, the, the kids are or Morty and, and summer Morty's playing video games. Beth's just sitting there and Rick's Rick's like watching. They're like really bored with the the video games. He's just shooting. It's like asteroids basically, you know, shooting asteroids and Rick's like, well, maybe it's because we shot so many real asteroids. Then they decide to look at like the menu and Rick's like, Oh, it's at the factory settings. He's like, he looks at the realism setting. He's like, it's set at four. And he's like, do we want it? What do we want? 10? And summer's like, Oh no, no. She's like, let's do nine. I'm kidding. And they're both like, shut up summer. <laughs> So they put on 10, then they're they're playing it. Morty's like, it's the same. He's like, no, it's worse. It's the ship's just going. There's like no asteroids around. And Rick's like, ah, because space is so vast that there's just lots of nothing. Then Rick sees that you can record a video for your kid in case you die. And he says it's a good idea since he'll be out in space for a while. And he's like, oh, hey, son, if you're seeing this, I starved to death looking for an asteroid. Then Summer's like, this is so stupid. And Rick tells her that you know he says something like whatever, and then he's like you know she doesn't know anything about gaming culture, and you know, as she's walking out, then it's like night. So we, it's weird because that was Thanksgiving, but then he said it was still think I think that was things yeah. So Beth she's sitting up in bed and she's looking out like the little patio door, balcony door, and in, in the bedroom. Then she goes outside and space Beth is is awake too since they have things in common and they're like yeah we both have crappy backs. So then Beth takes space Beth's back now because she knows where it's at. And then she's like, I know we're not massage people, but you could probably use this. And then you know, she starts massaging. She's like, ah, and she's like, yeah, you act off tough and everything, but you probably keep your attention right here. And then you know, it's like right the right spot. And then she says that she's like, you better be taking notes because I'm next. And then they, they kind of look at each other, like kind of turn around, like they're about to kiss or something like that. And then there's like a noise in the house. And they're like, both look. And you see Summer's like hiding behind, like, she like ducked out of the window, like with a glass of water. And Beth's like, oh, maybe I better get back inside. So the next day, Summer is about to play a video game. Morty comes up. He's like, oh, now you're into video games? It's, sort of <laughs> it's supposed to be like a Street Fighter game. And the different modes are like Battle Royale, Meth Mode, Pants Free, Urban, and Slappers Only. And she's like, well, maybe real life is just too much for me right now. Or maybe I'm just not afraid to change my mind about stuff. And she's like, maybe mental flexibility is stronger than stubbornness. And, and Rick's like, like, oh yeah. I think I did say Morty came in complaining, right? I hope so. <laughs> so then Jerry, he comes in and he's like, oh, well, I'm going for more realism for everyone's interested. And he talks about going like, OG. gee, he has basically like a regular puzzle. The Beths come in and they say that they're going to go out for ice cream if there's any flavor requests. And they're, <laughs> I think, two of them, two people say vanilla. I don't know if it was Rick and Morty or Rick and Summer. I don't know. And they're going to go out out to space because then Summer, because Summer's like, why do you have to go out to space to get ice cream? They're going to the floaty. I forgot what it's called. So the Beths are basically floating out in space suits above the Earth. Space's best. Space Beth, you know, says that she actually has a pint in her space station. And Beth's like, you have a space station? And she's like, we have a space station, since they're like the same person. Beth is like, you know, only one of us knows who they are. And Space Beth, it was like, well, why don't you know? we figure it out? You know, we can just say whatever we want to each other. Like things that we wouldn't even say, you know, to anyone else or even to ourselves. And Beth's like, well, what wouldn't we say to ourselves? And Space Beth is like says, like, wow, my or, or my ass looks great in a spacesuit or something like that, and then Beth kind of blushes, and she's like, I am a good-looking woman. And so then they're, like, suddenly in a ship, and they're, like, making out. Then Beth is like, "Like, oh, we forgot the ice cream, and they start making out more. And then uh, this is, like, Morty was taken out the trash, so they were, like, still in the car, and, and so he overhears them, like, whatever, messing around. So now we see Morty is glued to the video game with Summer, so they're both, like, like just in denial, or just like grossed out, or freaked out, or you know they don't know what what to do. Rick yells, he's like, hey, you can't just take my control. And Morty's like, yes I can. And Summer he's like, go get another one. And she's like, she's like, some of us need all the control we can get. So Rick's kind of like mad. And then Summer asks Morty, she's like, why is he suddenly into realistic video games? And Morty says he already was. And she's like, no, you're like like in a trance. And then they hear Jerry's like, Beth, oh it's like oh my god. And he's like, you said you were getting ice cream. And then one says, like, oh, must be in the car. And he's like, oh, good, because otherwise it'd be weird. Because, you know, they, they thought that he saw something, but he just saw that they didn't have ice cream. So he freaked out because Jerry overreacts to everything. Then Morty says to summer that he's afraid that things will become more noticeable. Beth goes in the garage to talk to Rick, and she asks... You know, she, there's like this like big like space fish whale on on his like, counter. She's like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, oh, "I'm making a controller." He's like, "This species of bionic space whale has carbon w- wiring." He's like, "Great for smooth gameplay." And then he's like, "Oh, don't worry, it won't die," or and he says something like that. So then she asks if his replicator can make ice cream from the gloppy drop system, and he's like, "Why would you want replicated ice cream, poser?" And she says that she went with space bath. They had such a great time that they forgot. Then he says that as you know, he's metaphorically forgotten ice cream, as she put it many times. He's like, you know, just don't worry, do as you kids say, and you do you. And he says, but it's not her ice cream she's forgetting, it's her family's. If she forgets too much, then she starts having secrets. And she's like, Oh, you're against secrets? He's like, heck no, or whatever. He's like, secrets are great. For instance, he's like, I had a pint of, of vanilla gloppy glop in my fridge this whole time and so he's like help yourself whatever then he says he's just saying that life piles up like credit card debt and she's like well this was a simple cash transaction fun and done but then they're kissing and rolling around and the snow on the roof and they're, they're like snow angels and stuff like that they start quizzing each other like what's your favorite coke cul- or who's your favorite Culkin?" who's your favorite cure for hangover and there's like laughing and then beth's like i told dad but i didn't have to because he already knew so she thinks that he said it was fine until it makes them feel indebted to their lessers or something like that. And space space Beth says, yeah, that sounds like dad. Then Beth wonders if they owe them an explanation. She's like, you know, I'm married. It's like, we both are, but you know, I'm still in my marriage. And she's like, that's the one defining difference between us. Space Beth says that there's no rule book that says that she has to be. And Beth's like, well, what is this? She's like, are we in love with ourselves? And Space Beth says, like, you know, oh, you're so analytical. You know, you like, we don't have to call it anything. Beth says that, you know, she will, she'd like to know what the, the shelf life is. And Space Beth says that, you know, there might be a way to gather that data. And at the same time, Beth says, motel room. Space Beth says, holodeck. <laughs> and Beth's like, I like your idea better. So Jerry. Fin- finishes the last piece <laughs> it was like so obvious he's like kind of spinning it around he gets the last piece he cries out the bath but she's not there morty and Summer are still playing video games like ignoring it. they're playing like final fantasy 7 because like morty his character can't lift like gigantic sword or whatever jerry comes in and asks if they know where their moms are and he's like well, i'll just go look and morty's like no oh, no no he's like why don't you just play you know video games with us and he's like well, i don't know do. you know he doesn't know anything about tech and stuff like that and he's, he doesn't know what game to, to play, so they're like, "Oh, we'll just let the council choose." And the game that just randomly comes up is Hide the Affair. And it's like Chapter One, and the the text under you know there's this woman lying in bed. It's like lie to him about your infidelity because if he finds out about your affair, he will take the kids. And he's like, "Oh, this is kind of spicy." Rick comes in with like a controller, and then he's like not happy because it looks like it's like a single player game. The Beths are, we see them at a pier, like kind of like with their arms around each other, looking at the sunset and everything. And they have like some stuffed animals and then they kind of turn around and they're old. And then the sun kind of opens up and then Rick, Morty and Summer walk in and then like the, the whole room is, is like white. Cause they're in the holodeck. Rick's like, seriously, you two. And he's like, he asked, you know, he's like, what did you do to my holodeck? And, he, and he's like looking at the, the control thing, whatever to read out. He's like, you did a full San Junipero in here. So that's from, uh, uh black mirror right and he's he's like there's masturbating and then there's masturbating and they're both like oh whatever and he's like he yells at it, it's not his business you know they, they can keep doing whatever they want but they suck at doing it secretly they're like everyone knows and beth's like even jerry and then they're like, no, he's so in the dark. He's playing a video game about having an affair. You know, he doesn't even know what's going on. Normandy uh, says that they have to tell him if they keep doing this. And Space Beth tells him, she's like, well, why don't you just back off? And Beth's like, no, he's right. Space Beth says, right about what? You know, what they have to be twice as considerate because some jerk split them in two. And he's like, this is this is the crap that she left. But you know, she's like, I didn't leave this. And you know, she's talking about her and Beth. Then she. Uh, tells them that she'll tell her husband when she feels like it. You know, she's she's telling the others that Beth will, will Beth will tell her husband when she feels like it. They can deal with this or they can deal with her. And she's like, and I have to warn you, I have all the predator weapons. And Rick's like, works for me and they're like, oh yeah, okay. <laughs> Summer and Morty are like gobbling up ice cream, which is weird because I think it was like green, even though it's supposed to be vanilla, but it's I guess it's space ice cream. And Jerry's like it's like oh stop inhaling it. It's like your moms went to space for this. They're like, did you even thank them for doing it? And then they just kinda like sit up and stare. And Morty's like, Uh, thanks for doing it, Mom. And Summer's like, Yeah, very selfless of you. And Beth says, She's like, Oh, eat your ice cream however you want. It's like nothing good lasts forever. In space, Beth says in like some space French that she she injected Beth earlier with this so she automatically learned a language and they are just speaking to each other and this, whatever. Then she's like, Did you mean to say I've lost you, little earth girl? And Beth's like do you mean you could be had, Space Rebel? Jerry's like, come on, I think it's Thanksgiving. You know, the least you can do is speak English. Then Space Beth says, Jerry, I had sex with your wife. Or, I am your wife and had sex with the clone you sleep with. Your pick. It's like, we had sex. We loved it. And then Jerry suddenly has like a flashback, like where he's in high school. He's got like you know zits or whatever. He you know he he sees Beth. He's like, oh, there's, there's Beth Sanchez. He wants to take her to, to prom. And his friends like, no. She's like, she's she's too much for you. He's like, sooner or later she'd tear you apart. And Jerry's like, I'd be lucky to be torn apart by Beth Sanchez. And then in the present, Jerry stands up, and then he rolls into like a roly poly bug, like whatever pill. Oh, I forget what they're called. And Rick's like, oh yeah, I forgot I installed that. So Rick has the Jerry ball in the garage and this like whatever thing, and Beth's like, "Why does Jerry have a pill bug protocol?" And he's like, "Oh, it's an emotional defense system." You know, he's like, "I got drunk with him one night, and he said it's what he wanted most in the world." He's like, "He's in perfect health, and he can unroll when he chooses to." He's like, "And you know, the the good thing is you can also stay in there indefinitely." You know, he's like, "It's a cool power to have if if you have to fly coach or if someone asks." If someone asks what you thought of Wonder Woman 1984, (laughs) oh, man, that was a burn. And then he's like, only he can come out of it. It's like he's like, not even I can undo it. The sudden space Beth is like grabbing a tool and Rick's like, if you try to pry him out, you might hit a nerve and he'll literally turn into a Shrek. Then he's like, in his own way, he's taking control. He's like, isn't that what you always wanted? Space, Beth's like, oh, this is classic Jerry. He'd rather be a bug than have a conversation. And Beth's like, oh, have you heard the way you start a conversation? Then Rick's like, you ladies talk responsibility while I get stoned and play video games with your kids. So then they're, they're playing this video game. It's like all text. It's like, you were in a forest. What do you do? And they're like, head north. Head north. And there's, there's still lots of trees. You look around. What you know? What do you see? You know, so it keeps going like... Like this, where there isn't anything, any, anything, anything to, to see. So Beth tries talking to the ball to get Jerry to come out. And then space Beth says, you know, oh, he doesn't want to. She's like, she's like, this isn't love. This, you know, he's not doing it. us out of love. She's like, why are you following her? She's like, this is a tantrum. And space Beth says that, you know, she doesn't get it. She's like, I'm the space one and you're the homemaker yet. I'm the one that got chewed up and spit out. She's like, well, she's like, I just don't want to forget about you. And Beth's like, well, me neither. And she's like, that's the problem. So back to the video game. Oh, there's something like they're supposed to pick up like their grandma at the, the airport, you know, before the shadows come and they're like, What's the shadows? or something like that. So finally there's there's a clearing. They're like, So what do you want to do? So then I guess Rick's like, you know, head to the clearing. Or, or Summer says, Go to the clearing. And then the game's like, You are no longer in the forest, and therefore the vampires won. The end. <laughs> so it's like it, the game made no sense. But it's supposed to be realistic. So then, the Beths make Rick hook their minds up to these controlled. Thing. They're, they're, I guess they're, I they're gonna like join their minds or do something to try to see once for all, like you know what what do they want and stuff like that. Jerry finally comes out. He's like, "Oh, don't lobotomize, lobotomize yourself over me," and then he's like, he gets leaves. He starts packing up his shirts, and you know, of course, all the shirts are green. You know, the same. So he's he's just gonna he's gonna leave, and uh, then they they start talking about. Them so like stuff like that. Then he's like, "Well, you know, you didn't even ask me or something like that." And he's like, "You know, I permit it." So it's like kind of. I don't know if he's doing reverse psychology. And Beth's it's like, "Oh, this is weird." He's like, "Oh yeah, go ahead." He's like, "That's fine." And and uh space Beth is like, "Oh, we just you know." But part of fun is like embarrassing. He's like, "Oh, maybe I like that." And so while this this conversation is going on, Rick, Morty, and Summer are trying to eat leftovers, like in in the dining room. Even though muffled voice, they can he like hear everything they're saying, and then things start. He like getting even weirder with the the three of them, and and, and, you know, it's it's just getting worse and worse. You know, Morty yells, He's like, Rick, you have to fix a portal gun. And Rick's like, Morty, you asking me that makes me want to do it less. Then they're like, Let's talk about Thanksgiving. What are you thankful for? And Summer's like, She's like, Water. And Morty's like, Are you serious? And he's like, Discovery Channel, Discovery Channel. (laughs) I guess he's thankful for Discovery Channel space bath is its finally time for her to leave and she says that she's like well I'll keep an eye out for your grandkid or for our grandkid in space and they're like what and they're like oh yeah then jerry says he's like it looks like we all learned something at least i know i did and then rick's like me too jerry me too and then he this part i didn't quite get he goes in the kitchen and there's like this like space booze or something like that he hits this like button and it's like little compartment opens up and there's there's like a uh seeks box in there and some other stuff and he puts the the bottle in there, close it, then he hits like the garbage disposal button. So I don't know if he just got rid of I think I must have missed something. Maybe it's something about the wine that caused all it. This is I don't know. Then uh mid credit scene, Jerry goes to the, the I forgot what it's called, the, the Jerry Daycare place. And you know, he's he's talking receptionists. He's like, Oh, I'm just here to hang and is like, uh uh-uh. uh. It's like, you can't come in here by yourself. She's like, you know, and he's like, Well, why not? And she's like, Well, sometimes that the Jerry's try to touch each other and he's like, Oh, okay, I I understand. He's like, I will I'll see you later. And then he's like out in an alley, just other Jerry pops up. And so they then they, they look at each other and then little like little kiss and then they shake hands. Okay, thank you. And that's it. I guess they just wanted to experience like one smooch, but that was the extent of all they needed to do. And uh, that's the end of the episode. So that was a, a weird episode, and I, not as much like action as, as last week's, but just a, a good on a different like level as last week I mean last week's was, was good as well. just two completely I, I guess that's a good thing that it's just like mixing the formula up that's not just the same thing. So, but, but, very, very weird. And then, House of the Dragon, season one, episode five. It turns out these episodes do have titles. Every time I watch it, it there's no title on there, and I was like, "What? There's no no titles? That's weird." And I look on IMDb or something, but then it, it turns out there is titles. So, uh, this episode is called "We Like the Way," and and the other ones have titles, but. Whatever, you can look it up. So, it starts off, Lady Rhea is out hunting. So, this is Damon's uh, wife. She's, like, riding, and then she sees this cloaked dude, and it turns out it's it's Damon. And she's like, husband, what brings you to the veil? Or have you at last come to consummate our marriage? And she's like, the, the veil sheep might be willing, or perhaps your brother has had a f- you know his fill of your company. And then she's like, will you strike the child down? Or And then... um He's, like, getting closer and, like, like not saying a word, you know, even though she's, like, digging jabs at him and stuff like that. And she kind of reaches for her bow, and he does something to spook the horse, so, like, throws her off, and it f- lands backwards, lands on top of her... And then, then she's kind of, like, stuck on her back. She can't move. And her arm's out. And it's like, I don't know what broke her necessarily. But then he's just, like, kind of standing there. And he kind of, like, puts his arm on her. I don't know if her arm is broken or something like that. And then he, he just, you know, he doesn't step hard. He just lightly steps on it. Then he, like, walks away. And she's like, I knew you couldn't finish. because So this seems like this is a problem that he has. Like, this is probably what happened with between him and Rainier, where he couldn't do anything. But then, so as she says, this this final insult, then he picks up a stone and he walks back towards her. Now, apparently, according to the end stuff, this isn't exactly how it happened in the book. And they decided to make her a little tougher, like, you know, just she's out hunting and stuff like that. But I guess it wasn't really explained what happened to her. So they're like, well, we're going to kind of add this little bit and, and, you know, spice it up a little bit that Damon was involved, which makes sense. So then we see there's a ship. The king's riding in there. He's like getting seasick. Rainier is there too, and uh, you know, she, uh, Kristen's is there. You know, she's like, of course, near near nearby him. Otto, at, at the castle, he's he's about to leave because you know he's done. Allison, you know, goes out and she's like, oh, I don't wish to see you you, you go, whatever. And he's like, well, such is the king's decision. And she's like, well, you know, Rain-, and he says something about how she sided against him or whatever. She's like, well, R- Rainier swore her innocence. I believe her. And she's like, your informant was wrong. You know, if you hadn't been so like relentless and then Otto's like, the king will die soon. You know, Rainier will have to put her sword to your child. You know, you must see this. And then, you know, he's like, you'll be all alone. And, you know, what are you like? All this stuff like that. And he like hugs her. So he's basically saying that, when the king's dead, you know, where's that going to leave her? So the king and the Rainier are riding in a carriage, and the king's still not doing so well. They're headed to the castle. They're going to Coralise's castle, whatever, or Sir Corlee's whatever he's called. And in uh, in the gate, there's like you know, a couple of guys out there, you know, and some other other dudes. And in the the king's new right hand, um, his his name is Lord Lionel or something like that. And he's like, "Where's Lord Corlees? And he's like, you he should be here to receive the king. Then Laina and her brother come up. And uh, then Lionel's like, what is the meaning of, of this? And she's like, oh, you know, it's like my father just returned from his long journey. And he's like waiting and whatever. The king's like, let's just get on with it. So, I mean, it is basically an insult because Corley should have been there, but he chose not to be there. Allison standing by the tree. Then this other dude. I don't think we've seen him before. He's he's a little kind of weird. There's something off about him, a little little creepy. Lord Larrys, L A R Y S, and you know he's got this cane and he uh, he he talks about like plants thriving where they shouldn't be or something like that, which is you know obviously a metaphor or something like that. Then he says that you know, her father was a good man and she's like, as um, were you when he took your place or something like that. Then he says that it's unfortunate the manner in which her father left. And she's like, well, what do you know of it? And he says that, you know, he's like, well, I don't speak. I just observe. And he's like, you know, you could use an ally. Allison's like, well, I'm the queen. I have no shortage of allies. And he's like, he says, like Princess Rhaenyra. And he wonders if she could be relied upon now that she is unwell and the queen's like unwell i haven't heard anything and he's like oh i I beg your pardon he's like i I may i must be mistaken on the very night your father was dismissed the grand master master whatever you say it delivered a tea to the princess's chambers at the direction of the king and he keeps like digging away at like whatever angle he's cooking and when she's like She says that Rainier is with the king, and he's like, oh, it's a relief to hear. I must have been wrong. What happiness it is to have been wrong about this. So he's clearly stirring the pot, like stoking the fire, whatever, seasoning the salt or meat. I don't know. (laughs) Tenderizing the meat. What other cooking (laughs) euphemisms can I come with? The king is brought to this hall. Rainier and Lena aren't allowed to enter. So she's like, okay, we'll, we'll go over here. Coralise is like sitting on his throne and then uh, he stands when the king enters your grace and then he kneels. King's like kind of coughing. He's like, rise. Then uh, Coralise's wife comes in, Princess R- R- Raina. Coralise congratulates Lord Lionel as being the, the new hand of the king or whatever, the right hand. Then Coralise says that he wishes that they could meet under happier circumstances and the king's like, how so? Then he's like, Damon's wife the lady rhea royce has passed so the princess says that it was a hunting mishap that she was thrown from her horse her neck and skull were both crushed and the king says you know he's like well perhaps we can turn this to happier pursuits he's like i wish to propose a marriage between your son sarah laner and my daughter and heir the princess rainera He's like it's long past time that our houses were united in blood he's like the last pillars of old valeria then corley says that he is that he honors both him and his house he's like but there are some matters he'd like clarified before uh the princess Raines, rain Re- 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 whatever and he could accept this most generous proposal and the king's like what details corley says that he would like to know how succession will be handled uh, he, he says that Rainier is his heir upon his death. His throne and his titles will pass to her. She and Sir Laner's firstborn child, regardless of gender, gender will inherit the Iron Throne from her. Then Coralise asks if he can presume that in keeping with the Westeros Restor, whatever, Restor, tradition, their children will take their father's name, that they would be born Valerians. And he's like, Surely, Lord Corlys, you are not proposing that the Targaryen dynasty end with my daughter simply because she is a woman. And he says that he only seeks clarity, your grace. The king coughs some more, and he's like, Upon their birth, Sir Lanor and Rainier's children shall take their father's name, Valerian, in keeping with our tradition. However, at such time when their firstborn ascends the Iron Throne, he or she will do so bearing the name Targaryen. Dragons will rule the Seven Kingdoms for the next hundred years, just as they did the last hundred, whatever. Then Corlys looks at his wife and he's like, this is an equitable compromise. So Rainier is walking the beach with Laenor, and she says that, in truth, she's glad that if it had to be someone, that it was him. She knows that this is not what he would choose, and he says that he holds nothing against her cousin, which is weird. And she's like, no, she's like, I, dare I say it, it's a matter of taste. She's like, I prefer roast duck to goose. And then she's like, you're like kind of talking about it like that. So basically, what it comes down to is, he's gay. And she's like, that that's fine. She's like, I know whatever agreement is being s- struck up there will not change your appetites, nor will it change mine. So she, or he asks, so he's like, well, what do you propose? And she's like, that we perform our duty to our fathers and to the realm, and when it's done, each of us dines as we see fit and he like smiles so basically they're talking about like we'll have an open marriage (laughs) princess uh tells corallis that the king has has taken to bed while his ship is being readied because he's sick or whatever whatever's going on with him corley says that you know maybe he overextended himself they pushed him too far to the edge and she's like well you know her cousin came to sail into the Tempest, you know, it was his, his choice. It was undignified for the King to drag himself here and beg for Laner's hands. And then he's like, where is Laner? And she's like, Oh, walking the coast with Rhaenyra. And then he's like, Oh, it's good that they become familiar. And she's like, they're familiar. Cause like they grew up together. And he's like, well, that's good or whatever. And he's like, you know, she has grown quite comely these last few years. And then she, he says something else that, you know, she's like, you know, his true nature, and Coralie's like, he's still young. He will outgrow it. He's like, there is no pleasure in the world like bedding a woman. And she, so she's like, we're placing our son in danger. And he says that the the lord of the realm, or actually, so Coralie thinks that his son's going to outgrow being gay. But she says, okay, they're, they're placing our son in danger. And he's like, the lords of the realm bent the knee to Rhaenyra and swore obedience to her. And she's like, that was before there was a true born prince named Aegon Tar- Tar- Targaryen. Oh, these names are killing me. He's like, her succession will be challenged. And for her, her husband and their heirs, he says that anyone who would come at them would be crushed, you know, with all their power and everything like that. He says, Rhaenyra, Rha- Rha- Rhaen- Rhaenys, that she, he tells his wife, I don't hate, I, I hate that their names are so similar. He says that Rayneese was robbed of her crown. She's like, "I never wore it." And he says he wants to, you know, write that error. Blah blah blah. So Lanier's, uh dude um, Joffrey, I think his name was, uh, says that. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> says that he always feared that uh, someday Lanier would marry a woman, and now the day has come. So his. But then he says that his betroth gives him leave of her own free will to continue partaking of whatever and and then, then he's like "Is is the dude's like am i was i the duck or the goose and lanier says that he's come to meet his fate and he you know he's making jokes so the dude he's like well she will be the queen and you'll be her king consort and then they start going at and kind of shoving each other and they because they're laying down or like in the grass and they're rolling then they, they kiss or whatever then he's like you'll need a sworn protector and he's like, this is better than we could have hoped for. And he's like, you know, she has a paramour of her own. I wonder who it is. So this dude's like very, like, interested in everything. The ship's sailing back. Kristen comes up to Rainier. He he says that, you know, she's confided in him over the years. So he's come to know her a bit. And he's heard her say how she loathes her position to be married off at her father's whim. And he's like, you know, Sir... Laenor is a good man, but she has not chosen him. If there were another past, would she tread it? And he talks about, you know, being a knight and his knowledge and all, all the stuff that he did before, that he wants to leave and her to come with him away from all of this. You know, they can go see the world together. They could be nameless and be free to go wherever they like, to love as they like. And, you know, she could marry him. It would be a marriage for love, not of the crown. And she, she then she, like, kind of turns, you know, whatever. Then she says that, I am the crown. And she's like, I may chafe at my duties, but, you know, do you really think that I'd give it up for, like, a bushel of oranges? You know, whatever they would go out and get. Lanier will make a great husband, but her marriage does not have to be the end. Lanier and her have an understanding. She granted him leave to pursue his interests. And Kristen's like, you want me to be your whore? And she says that she wants him to continue as her sworn protector. He says that he took an oath of chastity, which he's broken, you know, being a knight, blah, 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 all this. I didn't realize that they had to do so much, all this stuff. He thought that if they married, that he might be able to restore his honor. And she says that the Iron Throne looms large in her, you know, so she has no choice. And he just walks away in a huff. Allison's looking down. When the king arrives, he gets off his carriage and he like falls, he stumbles to the ground. Sir Kirsten is told that he's being summoned. And he's like, someone, I was just like with the king when, and, and, you know, the, the princess. And they're like, no, by the queen. So Allison's with her crying son. She's like, she's like her kid's always crying. And then uh, they're like, com- or, sorry, Kristen's coming. So she hands him off the maiden. And she says that she must question him on a delicate matter. It concerns Princess Rhaenyra. And then she has him sit next to her. He's, she's like, you're her sworn protector and loyal to her, yes? And he's like, yeah. And she's like, the night of Damon's return, there's been a rumor, uh, or my father received word of a lapse of morals, and it is, of course, unthinkable to question the virtue of a princess whom I hold in the highest regards. However, I wonder if, in the you know the the rush of youth or whatever, errors were made, and and he interrupts. He's like, it happened, your grace. He's like, the sin you allude to, I have committed it. At you know her instigation. It is true, but that is no excuse. He's like, my oath has been broken. I've dishonored myself. I deserve no consideration. So I don't think this is what she was expecting. Because she, I think she really thought Rainier must have done something with her uncle. But now she's finds like, oh no, it was her knight, her protector. So she's just like, she had her. She like kind of turned her back to him, and she's like, you can see on her face that she's like, what? So he continues. He's like, but if. As a clement queen, you are inclined to pity. I would ask only this, that rather than gelding me, which castrating him, whatever, and having me tortured, you would sentence me mercifully to death. So then she's like, she's just, she doesn't know what to say. So, you know, she and she turns her back and she's like, she thanks him for his honesty. She's like, you may go. And he just kind of like looks at her and he's like, okay. He like bows and leaves. In the king's chamber, the grandmaster says that he'll get the leeches. You know, the king's like out of it, whatever. This other dude, he's like, oh, you know, I prepared some potions that I think might work. But the, the master's like, oh, no, the leeches have always worked, which the leeches aren't going to work. And This is probably why the king's going to die. So then the king asks, he's like, where is the queen? And Lionel says, that, oh, he's like, I understand that she is otherwise occupied. And then he asks... The king's like, well, do you think will I be remembered as a good king? He's like, what will they say of me And he, he's, he says that he wishes that he was tested that you know he could have uh, like fought in some sort of bad done something you know he could have, it could have forged him into a different man. Then we see some dragons flying ships are sailing. They're all arriving at the castle. It's the start of the Royal celebrations. So all important people are being announced as they enter the hall. Um, they bow to the King and princess Rhaenyra. They're sitting up you know, at the big table. Sir Jason pays his respects. Cause you know, he wanted to marry Rhaenyra. And then he's like, where's the queen? And the queen's like, she's still ridding herself. And then this Sir Gerald pays respect. And then, uh, I, I don't know, he's like, he he's makes some reference to Lady Lady Rhea, so I'm like, is there some sort of relation? At first I was like, was she his daughter? I don't think he's old enough. But then Lord Um Corley's, wife and, and heirs, future king consort they're announced, everyone applauds, Rhaenyra comes around the big table to offer her hand, my betrothed, my betrothed. And then uh, Damon struts in. No announcement for him. He just walks up to the front, and the king's like, he didn't think he was coming, or didn't know he was coming. So he like motions for a chair to be set like at the end of the table because there's no room for him. Then uh, the king welcomes everyone. He's like, tonight is only the beginning, you know. And then uh, he's like, is this supposed to be like a week different events? He's like, this small little thing is you know, it's like this huge elaborate you know dinner that they're having, but he's saying that this is this is just the beginning. But then he stops mid-speech because Allison enters the hall, and everyone like rises. Someone mutters, oh, the king will not be happy right in the midst of his speech. She's wearing a green gown, and Lord Lyries tells another, he's like, the beacon on the high tower bears a green banner when, you know, Old old Town calls for war or something like that. So I guess the, the meaning is she's laying her, you know, she's, she's about to start war or something like that. And then as she gets to the front, she's like, congratulations, stepdaughter. What a blessing this is for you. And things are still like you're a little awkward, or whatever. Then the king tells everyone to be seated. Then he's like, asked Lionel, Lionel's like, "Where was I?" So he continues his speech. He hopes to herald in a second age of dragons and Westeros after tonight's small affair. Everyone laughs. He's like, you know, so he's talking about seven days of tournaments and feastings. At the end, there will be a royal wedding. So Rhaenyra and Laner do this like showy formal dance, to, and they are kind of talking to each other she's like oh I was never much of a dancer and he's like oh it's much like combat or whatever then um, Allison is practically glaring at Rhaenyra because you know, she—it's like okay whatever but the thing is her father said that she and Damon hooked up they did not hook up and she's mad at she must be mad at at, at Rhaenyra because her father was sent out but again he was overly ambitious and, and all this stuff like that so uh Lanier's boyfriend seems a little uncomfortable. Damon's just sitting there kind of smirking, whatever. Allison stands and leaves, you know, she gets up. Others start dancing. Allison talks to her uncle who arrived, and you know he says that Old Town stands with her. You know, even though her father left or whatever, so you know she still has someone else there. Sir Gerald says to Damon, In the Vale, men are made to answer for their crime. He's like even Targaryens. And Damon's like, Who are you? He's like, Sir Gerald Royce of Runestone. And? I am cousin to your late lady wife. Then he's like, ah, yes, terrible thing. I'm positively bereft. Such a tragic accident. And he's like, you know better than anyone. It was no accident. And Damon's like, are you confessing some guilt, Sir Gerald? He's like, I'm making an accusation. And as he's saying this at a table in front of the king and and, uh, what's his name? Uh, Lionel. He's like, in King's Landing, men are made to answer for their slanders so they're just uh, and you know they're not saying a word they're just like watching this Damon says truth is I'm glad you've come I've, I wish to speak to you about my inheritance and he's like what inheritance he says that lady Rhea and him had no heirs as her husband whatever she was due now passes to him and he's like she stood to inherit all of rhinestone did she not he's like after my niece's wedding I plan to fly to the Erie and petition Lady Jane myself Perhaps I'll see you there. And Gerald turns and leaves. So the big dance is continuing. There's like all these people. There's like the floor is packed. Damon gets up, goes to um, Lena, asks if anyone's told her that she's nearly as pretty as her brother. She offers her condolences for Lady Rhea and and stuff like that. Laneer's boyfriend has figured out that sir Kristen is rainier's paramour he's like talking to laner he's like look at how how he's like looking in her, at her and stuff like that then he's like she knows your secret and now we know hers or something like that the dancing continues king and coralie are sitting at the table eating the boyfriend goes to Kristen, his again his name is joffrey he's like they make a handsome match don't they so he introduces himself as Sir Joffrey Lawnmouth. He's like, or the Knight of Kisses, they call me. I don't know why they call me that. Kristen says, he's like, I'm on watch. State your business. And Joffrey's like, he's like, you don't know me, Sir Kristen, but we both deeply are invested in this union. And he's like, Sir Leonor is quite dear to me, as I know the princess is to you. We should swear to each other to guard them and their secrets, because if those are kept safe, then so are we all. Kristen he just, he doesn't say anything. Damon cuts in to be by Rhaenyra. He asks her in whatever their dragon language. He's like, is this what you want? He's like, Lanier is a good man and a fine knight, but he will bore you senseless. She says that marriage is only a political arrangement, I hear. Because that's what he said before. He says he was recent. his was recently dissolved. And she's like, so take me then. Has this not been your purpose? I am not yet married, but the hours pass swiftly. You are surely armed. Cut through my father's king's guard take me to Dragonstone, make me your wife. I don't know why she would say all this. It's like, does she really, is that what she wants? Or is she just like egging him on because she knows he's, I I, I have no idea. I, mean, I don't know if we're supposed to know. The king um, sees like, because kind of like takes her head like he's going to kiss her and he's like trying to see, but again, they're on a the dance floor. You, there's too many people to see what's happening. Then there's like this scream. People are start moving and like shoving stuff like that. And then Rainier like calls out to Lanier. She gets like shoved and Kristen, he's like, Poof, poof. He's like, I think he like actually hits Lanier and like knocks him down. Then he's like fighting Joffrey, and and uh, the king's nose starts bleeding because you know from whatever stress and stuff like that. Kirsten is just like pounding on Joffrey's face like re- relentlessly. Rhaenyra she gets picked up by someone, is like carried out, and she's like, "Put me down, whatever." And then we see Joffrey's face. There's pretty much like a hole in his face, like by his eye and nose. It's just. It, it it was 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 nasty, so then Kirsten stops, you know, and he like stands, um, and then uh, Lanier is lying on, on the ground, and he like looks up and he sees Joffrey, like the floor kind of clears out, and he crawls crawls to him, you know, people start leaving, and and then uh, he is just like cries out, he's like, oh. once it's clear in there, the wedding is gonna happen, so it's like shotgun wedding, it's a small little ceremony, Kirsten's. Standing out by the tree, he kneels and he has like his little dagger, uh, or he puts his sword down. Um, the Rainera and Lenor, these <laughs> <his> names, <laughs> they both say their, their vows, you know, to each other, whatever I am yours, and you are as you are mine, whatever, whatever may come. So, Kristen takes out a dagger, um, they're pronounced man and wife. He's about to like stab himself in the gut, then Allison calls out to him then at the the wedding the soda sort of married the king collapses and then as a as the camera kind of pans back there's like a rat drinking at a puddle of blood on the floor and that's the end but uh the thing what what like everyone's talking about because as i'm watching this and you know, i have my my uh, twitter open i see like all the reviews coming out because i was like a little bit behind and uh then also at the the last bit where they talk about stuff, they keep saying how it's like, oh, you can't have a wedding in Game of Thrones without something bad happening, and so it's almost like what well, we're supposed to like, expect this. But I mean, I didn't know the wedding was going to happen this episode because they talk about it, it's supposed to be a week and all these events and everything like that, and they obviously sh- shotgun wedding, you know, push things forward. But yeah, so that was a uh, that was quite you know the interesting wedding and. They're like, yeah, let's just get this over with. I don't, I, okay. It kind of stinks in a way, but maybe it's for the best. <laughs> but that that face, man, the, the hole in the face, that was nasty. All right, with The Patient, season one, episode five. So it starts off, Sam's driving, he's listening to the Kenny Chesney, or I think that's his name. And he so he last episode, he grabbed the guy that he wants to kill, brings him to the house, and... Um, alan's like freaking out he's like you can't do this you can't kill him he's like i gotta do it so he convinced him he's like we well, need to go to your ex just go go talk to her just you know maybe that'll calm down or change his mind so he goes knocks on his ex's door and she's like oh this is a surprise and he's like uh yeah i guess i should have called he meant she tells her he's in therapy and she's kind of surprised by that and you know uh, his he says the therapist said that he should come talk to her and she's su- surprised that you know, he's in therapy and he's like, Mhm. so they're inside, they drink some coffee and he asks how I think it said, Hara, like how's Hara doing? And she's like, Oh, she just turned 12 last month. And then he's like, does she know about me? She's like, Oh, I'm not supposed to talk about the divorce or anything painful in the family. And she's like, Oh, I have another one too. So I guess she's sponsoring kids like in other countries. So yeah. I mean, I, cause you find out that they did this together something like that, but so it's weird because yeah. I mean it's not weird, it's not a it's a good thing, right? As long as it's not like a scam. Um back at the house, Ellis asks Alan, he's asked him to come close to the door and he's like, Are your hands free? And he asked him, you know, does he have sessions with, you know, the guy that grabbed him? And you know, he's like, you know, could you have one here? He's like, well we do and you know, so it's obviously it's kinda weird. But Ellis is like, you know, we're both probably gonna be dead soon. And he's like, you know, we can go down swinging. He's like, next time, you know, you have a session, convince him to, to bring me in. And then we can, like, jump him and, and, you know, I'll throw my body on him. And Alan just kind of thinks about it. He's like, could he do this? Because he mentioned before how, you know, he's not a young guy. And he doesn't think that he could take him on. So the ex, um, I forget her name. Um, she asked Kenny, or she asked Sam if he, he saw Kenny last summer. And he's like twice in, in Raleigh and Chicago. And she's like, you know, what did your therapist tell you to talk to me about? And he's like, I don't know. He just said that I should, you know, come talk to you. So there's like, like an awkward silence. And then she says that she never, or he never picked up his lazy boy, you know, does he still want it? So then we see them loading it into the back of his truck and everything like that. Then he's like, thanks. And he just like gets in his truck. And then, then he's like, kind of waves her and leaves so we see alan uh what we haven't really seen before he has to pee in this like bottle thing whatever because he doesn't get to go to the bathroom it's like how does he poop Is he just i don't even want to think about it then he says to Elias uh that he's like y- you know you gave me a message for your family but i think you may be the one to get out of here first so he wants him to give a message to his family too he's like tell my daughter shoshana that i love her that i treasured our life together and that i want her to find a way to move on and Ezra, my son, tell him that I loved him very much and that his mother loved him too, even when it was difficult between them. And I'm sorry that there was so much conflict when, you know, in the family when she was dying and that he's like, oh, that's a lot to remember. He's like, oh, just just tell him what you can, you know, remember. Then Alan's like sitting, Ellie he's like, can you keep talking? And he talks about his son going to college and then, you know, suddenly he's an Orthodox Jew, um, you know, with his wife and, it you know, It drove her crazy. His family didn't even come over to their house without bringing their own food. So that's what we saw in that one flashback a few episodes ago. He asks, uh, he's like, you know about kosher food? He's like, it's regular food with a thousand rules. And he talks about a birthday party for Ezra's son that she wanted to bring some. And then a truck pulls up. He's like, he's back. So he comes in dragging in the lazy boy. He's like, I got my chair back. And I was like, so you saw her. He's like, what are you talking about? He says that she's got these kids that they adopted in Bangladesh. They they adopted him from this organization, and they adopted one of them, whatever. And she just got another one, and you know she loves him a lot. Alan asks how he feels seeing her, and he says that uh, you know she she liked it, but or he liked it, but it didn't do what Alan had hoped for. You know, it didn't like change his mind or divert his attention. So, Alan's like, you know, these kids of Mary's and yours, like, when they grow up, and then he's like, I bet you'd want them to be responsible for the things they do in life. He's like, that's, you know, part of what they're talking about. Then Sam asks Alan, he's like, can you imagine me, like, beating the the poop out of those kids? And he's like, how can, he, like, gets up, like... He's like, I gotta do this now. He's and he's Alan's like, wait, wait. And he uh then he calls down to Candace. He's like, Get down here. So she comes down, and she tells him to stop right now. And you know, she's she's his mom. So Sam's mom. He's like, you know, you're supposed to be protecting me by not doing this. And she like, claps her hands, she's like, get back here. And she's like, Go to your room right now. And he's like, I don't want to. And she says that he needs a good night's sleep. You know, sometimes he feels better after after that. So she turns off the light, goes upstairs sam closes and locks the, the the back room sam goes in the other room and just like curses and then he um he plays a kenny chesney song like really loud so his room is in that back where we're constantly hearing him pee for like five minutes his room is down there so elias asks about his mother's like does she seem okay and stuff like that sam um he goes on to like a kenny chesney form lying in bed alan thinks back to beth singing out of service and we see ezra as a little kid he's like that's my mommy and he runs up to her sam can't sleep alan turns on the light when he opens the door and he sits in the chair he tells sam to come sit sam says that he gets very angry when people who treat him rudely and that, you know everyone that he hurts somehow deserves what happens to him so alan's like he's starting to think that that's not actually what's going on after everything he went through as a child he was angry and that anger made him violent so he's really just looking for people who will serve as as an excuse for him to get to act out those feelings and he thinks that the people he chooses are almost random if he runs into someone when he's in that state of mind he thinks that he'll find a way to be offended by them and sam's like he's like no he's like you're wrong he's like each one was a fudging a-hole and, he, you know, he's like, you, you know, he wasn't there. Alan says that, you know, part of therapy is finding a way to look beyond what you're experiencing in the moment. And the, the search more deeply, he's like, this is a great opportunity to search more, you know, to ser- search more deeply. And he's, he's about his dad, he's like, you said he would beat you if you if you didn't do exactly what he said instantly. He's like, if you even took a moment, to think about it. So that was his reason, you know, in his mind. And he talks about Elias getting... Um, him mad during the inspection so you know he's he says you, know, you should bring him out whatever like that so Alan talks about Elias then eventually Sam knocks him over and he like gets on him he's like starting to choke him and Alan's like no 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 and then Alan like turns away and it stops and Sam goes in in the other room and Candace is lying in her bed upstairs so she like heard it all and then Sam takes out a box in the closet and it's like the box with all the victim's wallets so alias didn't make it <laughs> it looks like he's done for so alan and and he was right there when it happened you know he he tried tuning it out but it happened so th- therapy's not going so well but now i mean it was bad enough that you know he's being held prisoner and everything like that and there's the idea you know where he says like yeah i kill people i have these impulse or whatever and you know that, that there's all that but to actually practically witness it, you know, he turned away, but he was still there. So it's just that's gotta be like such an eye-opener. It's like, holy crap, I thought things were bad before. They're like a million times worse. Okay, then Stargirl, season three, episode four, Frenemies, chapter four, The Evidence. So Cameron <laughs> I don't I don't really care for this Cameron character. He looks at some snow globes in the shelf in the like, study, he takes one, there's like a blonde girl in there, and he's like, whew, He blows some ice to it, like kind of freezes over, and then he drops it, and and it breaks, and he's staring at the mess. He gets on his knees, and his grandparents are like, oh, you're losing control. It takes time, and then our enemies can suffer or something like that. Whatever. Uh, Cosmo, the staff, wakes Courtney up in a room. And she's like, what, you know, she pulls a pillow over her head and, like, shoots a pillow <laughs> when she covers her head. And it makes her get up, it pulls her outside. They arrive at the trailer park, and, and she's like, what are we doing here? And then she sees Sylvester unconscious lying on the ground. So somehow she gets him to the hospital. He's unresponsive but stable. Um, so Beth's mom's like tended to him. Uh, he has like an unusual puncture wound on his back. And Beth's mom was like, she said that she reported the injuries as consistent with a hit and run. And she's like, did I do good? And Pat's like, well, now the police will be looking for a driver. And she's like, oh. So he's like, you know, we could have handled it or something like that. And then she asked, you know, why would, or or Courtney asked, like, why would he go out there alone and not tell anyone? And Pat's like, because he's Sylvester. And it wasn't his turn with the staff. So hopefully they'll know more when he wakes up. Rick tells Yolanda that you know this now this isn't about who killed gambler anymore it's about who almost killed Starman. so she wonders if they're targeting all of them and then her you know she was on the phone with him and then her mom comes in she's like you know she like gets off the phone she's like who are you talking to this late she lies and says that it was Maria at the diner and you know asking if she could you know work another shift or something like that and mom's like it's a school night he's and she's like I wouldn't let you take this job if your father didn't lose his and she's like Tips go to college fund. Okay? And she's like, okay. And she's like, and keep your room clean. You know, the realtor's coming tomorrow. I guess this is supposed to be why Yolanda is like so short tempered and angry and everything like that, because things aren't going well at home. I don't know. Sylvester wakes up and he's like, Oh. So Courtney's like, you know, she tells him that he was attacked and he's like, Yeah, I remember. She's like, Who did it? He's like, I don't know. Uh he's like, I didn't see them. He feels like kind of like a a rookie or something like that that he was ambushed and he can now confirm that their killer is in fact very strong so he says that you know he was looking for more clues you know because the killer always comes back to the scene of the crime he just didn't think it'd be at that moment she says that they need to rethink their agreement that you know if she's not around and he needs a staff he should just take it which doesn't seem like it's gonna work and Pat called in someone so silver uh McKnighter, dr midnight comes in and of course there's a camera like right in Sylvester's room and they're being watched, which is just ridiculous that these cameras are everywhere. So, uh, Mick, Mick, mid midnight, McNighter he checks on Sylvester's wound. He says that it's astounding that he's healing remarkably fast, that he might now understand how he came back to the land of the living. He thinks that the staff imbued him with its cosmic energy when he died and the energy healed him over the years. While he was like in some sort of like stasis, so it's it's kind of like with um, Alan's daughter, you know, his body is processing energy from the staff, but it's not generating it like Alan's daughter. So Sylvester's like, he then he's like, well, how's your son? And Sandy's like, oh, he keeps us on our toes. He's like that in the clinic keeps me busy. So Sylvester says that he's happy for him, you know, because he's you've been through a lot. At Midnight asks if he's happy, and there's this like this super. Long, such a long pause. I'm just sitting there thinking about it, longer than like soap opera pauses, like when they they cut the commercial. It's just it was kind of silly. The JSA kids go to the trailer. Beth's like, there isn't a single drop of blood since you know Sylvester's there, as like someone wiped it clean. So Yolanda's still accusing Sydney or whatever like that, and Sydney's like, if it was me, he w- I wouldn't have left him alive. And she's like, just being honest, just saying whatever. Then Beth's goggles find evidence. There's a single skin cell. And it doesn't belong to Starman. So it must belong to whoever attacked him. Then Cameron's sitting in his room. His grandparents come in. And his grandma gives him some tea to calm down. So he can try again. Grandpa starts taking his art. Whatever. He's like it needs to be put away. Just for now. So I guess he's not supposed to concentrate on his art. While he's focusing and controlling his powers. I don't. Okay. I don't see what the wider connected. Sylvester Stuck uh, comes home. He sees the staff is gone because Courtney hasn't, and Pat says Courtney and the others are looking for his attacker, and Sylvester's like, "Oh, yeah, they're cleaning my, my mess." Which like, get over it, dude. Beth is with McNider, so the scan is complete on, on the cell. It's not human. It's unidentifiable. So McNider, he's a, he, he's kind of quiet. Then he recalls a result like this before, like one of Pat's old enemies and one of their old enemies. So he's like, "It's it's Cindy's father, Dragon King." So at the school, they're talking about the results. It's, you know, they, they think that they should they warn Cindy. Uh, you know, Courtney brings up Yolanda's like, "Is like of, of course she's like, well that just means that they're working together." And then Courtney's like, "She would never do that," and works like she literally was last year. And Courtney's like, I never told you everything that happened when I was in the Shadowlands. She's like, I could see Cindy's childhood, you know, because I was like living it too. Her dad never treated her like a daughter. She was his lab rat. And now she's finally free. You know, She would never work with him again. And Beth says, well, maybe he came back for her, you know, if it is him. And Courtney's like, has anyone seen her today? So Cindy is in the lab and her like arms in pain for some reason. I don't think... We know why at this point. So something's going off. She's like trying to like just kind of shake it off. Mike and Jakeem, these two, I don't even know why they're on the show, but they're talking about like, oh, Dragon King, you know, because they must have heard that they think that he's involved. Mike's like, he could still be in the tunnels. Jakeem's like, I don't want to go down there. And Mike says, like, well, this could be our chance to, you know, beat the others. He's like, why are we trying to beat them? You know, because Mike is all about the competitives, trying to show that they could be useful, but. Just kind of silly. Barbara gives a presentation in this new park for families and kids and Tim cuts her off. he's like, it's wonderful it's like thumbs up and he, he you know, keeps saying it's like, oh this is so good and he's like, any project you want you know I'll back it He's like, who's with me And they're kind of like, yeah okay and then he gives her he he's like, oh you want a coffee like two cream of sugars whatever and so basically he's scared from Paula when she came and visited. Barbara goes into office and Paula isn't there. And she's like, "How's your day going? And, you know, how's it with, with with that that guy? Because uh, you know, she's asking about it." And uh, she's like, "Oh, things are good, or whatever." And P- Paula says that she got her gift for helping her out so much. It's a stuffed badger. She's like, "I made it myself. It shows how much I care." And Barbara's just like, "Uh." Sylvester and Pat are sitting in the basement. They're watching an old western. And Crusher comes in, and Sylvester calls a staff to him, but crusher brought a six-pack and pat's like oh no the doc said no alcohol and then he starts to leave and sylvester's like hey want one and pat's like oh we're watching josie wales and he's like the outlaw you know, clint eastwood and then he's takes a beer you know, he chugs it smashes it on his head he's like i'm in at school courtney go, sees cameron in the art room she walks by she goes in there and she's like what are you doing because he's just standing there staring at a blank canvas he says that he's quitting art and he's like, the artistic part of me is gone. But she's like, you love art. And she's like, let me help you. He's like, you can't. She's like, I can. She puts her her art, like her hand on his shoulder, and he's like, Aah! he like yells out. There's ice everywhere, ice blast. She gets like knocked back, and you know she's on the floor. She's, like staring at him. So uh, guess the cat's out of the bag. <laughs> she knows that he has ice powers now. So uh, Courtney like locks the door. She picks up a stool for Cameron to sit. And she asks if he's okay. He's like, "Are you?" You know. He's like, Are, "You're not scared." And she says that she's feeling a bunch of stuff. He says that his grandparents call it cryokinesis. That his family's had it for generation, and they've used it to help people. It's like, no, they haven't. They want him to use it to carry on his dad's legacy. He doesn't know what that means. And he's like, "That was so insane to someone like you." And she's like, "Like me?" And he's like, "Normal." She says that um his father so she, apparently he doesn't know his father was like this evil murderer so cameron's like his death was an accident he's like he was killed and then she's like what how he's like they won't tell me but i know he died trying to help people it's like no he wasn't he's like that's why i was trying to avoid you before he's like i could really hurt you and she's like i'm not afraid so sylvester's standing on the porch later with with, with the beer and Pat says that you know Crusher's doing push-ups to work off the carbs, so he's still in the basement. Pat tells Sylvester that you know he's looking better. And Sylvester says that, you know, maybe he should leave Starman where he was in the past, that you know, he's just made mistakes since he's come. Pat's like listing all the stuff and everything, and he's like, Yeah, don't take it the wrong way. You know, he's like mentions like blowing up the supermarket and or, you know, all this stuff. He's like, you know, seeing you screw up has finally taught Courtney, you know, to find balance in her life. And he's, he's like, you could be a mentor to these kids. And, and Pat goes in and he comes back out with a box. So it's a new costume. And he's like, I don't know, Pat. And Pat's like, if I ain't retiring yet, neither are you. And he's like, okay. Courtney and Cameron are walking home down the street at night uh, and they're going down Main Street. Sylvester like stares at the costume. Yolan and Rick come looking for Courtney because they've been trying to call her. So they think it was Dragon King who attacked him. So he must be back uh, maybe he's under the tunnels he's like okay i'll suit up courtney asked cameron if he thought about you there's something out or like at the park and the, at this gazebo or whatever she asked him if he thought about using his powers like his art which i don't know what that meant he asked Courtney. he's like you know he said some stuff and he's like how can you be so calm about this he's like it's you know it's too dangerous and she's like oh it's only dangerous if you let it you know because you're kind and sweet and thoughtful and she says, you know, think about like good thoughts and emotions. And he's like, well, I don't want to hurt you. And she's like, you won't. And she like takes his hand and he starts making it like kind of like snow in a park. And she's like, oh, it's magical. Like you. It's like, oh my gosh, so cheesy. Oh, that was so bad. And then they hold hands again and then slowly to get closer, and closer, and closer. And then they kiss. And it's like, barely, it's like, 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 just like, yeah. So then we see Cindy in the lab. So she's got like a bandage like on her shoulder, or, like, upper arm, and she like kind of peels it back. She has green scales, like Dragon King. So she's turning into Dragon King or whatever. She gets mad and like knocks everything off the counter. So, was she the one that killed Gambler? And was she the one that attacked Starman? Because there was a cell there. Was it her cell? I don't know. Um, I hope not. Cause it seems like she wants to do the right thing, but yeah, it's not looking too good for her. Okay. Then she Hulk attorney at law season one, episode six, just Jen. So after last week's episode, it's like, this must be the one with daredevil, right? Nope. No daredevil in this one. So Jen's, uh, looking at like some, some boxes and stuff like that. Uh, she gets a bridesmaid invitation from someone and Nikki wants to see Jen's super suit. She's like, Why? She's like, I'm never gonna wear it. So the, the bride for an invitation is an old friend from high school, and she's like, My cousin Chet. So Chet is her cousin. That's why I wasn't sure. I was like, I didn't think it was her brother. So Chet's her cousin. He's actually DJing at the wedding. And she's saying how they gradually grew apart, they stopped talking. So Nikki's like, Well, why are your bridesmaid? Jen thinks that she's just probably felt obligated to ask her. And just like she felt obligated to say yes. And then she's like, oh, I hate that Mallory has to pick up my slack at work. And Nikki's like, oh, no, you know, it's just a divorce case. And that means I get to get closer to Mallory. So Jen turns the camera and she's like, yes, this is a self-contained wedding episode. It's not the best time, but, you know, she's going to look great at the the wedding because, you know, she's going to go as She-Hulk. So she shows up in a, this dress made by the fashion dude. And it's kind of like a summery dress, whatever. And, and then she meets a wedding party, all these guests, whatever. So Lulu, the bride, she isn't thrilled. And she's like, can I talk to you alone? She's like, I can't believe you're doing this to me. Taking all the attention away from me with you. This. And She-Hulk's like, no one's going to be looking. So she came as She-Hulk, in case I wasn't clear. She's like, no one's going to be looking at me. She's like, this is your day. And Lulu's like, I don't want you to be all hulky at the wedding. And She-Hulk, she's like, okay. It's like, I promise that I'll show up as regular Jen. And then to us, she's like, yeah, obviously this is the one time I didn't want to show up as just Jen. As Jen, she's in a dress and it's like kind of baggy now on her. She um, here's some details. She's going to be paired with Jonathan, the groomsman, and then uh, this other girl. She's like, oh, he's the best. So it's like, who's just Jonathan person? Nikki goes to Mallory's office since uh, she's going to be helping her out for some reason. It's like Mallory doesn't have her own paralegal or anything like that. So Mallory meets with this dude, this older dude named Craig Hollis. Does that sound familiar? He says he goes by the name Mr. Immortal so mr immortal is from the great lake avengers and i don't know how it's awesome that they're using him and i love how to use him but this kind of takes away from the fact that it, he, this isn't mr immortal he's like older and and he's kind of a jerk and so he says that um uh, it's not your typical divorce case, you know, cause eventually things go stale and, you know, he's tried to end things and Marri- Mallory's like, so instead of talking to your wife, you try to kill yourself to get out of a relationship. And he's like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. He's like, I don't kill myself. He's like, I'm immortal. So I can't die. And Nikki's like, and you think this woman who has a lot of degree, doesn't know what immortal means. And he's like, well, in this case, he's like, I do die in the legal sense, but only for a moment. He says he kind of dies. And he thinks that, it's the most considerate way to end a marriage. Nikki and Mallory both think that this is horrible because, you know, he just doesn't want to talk, he you know, doesn't want to deal with anything. So, you know, he's like, I thought lawyers weren't supposed to be judgmental. And they're like, oh, no, you know, we're judgmental, but, you know, but it's like they only they're there to represent, but she's like, I'm tapping out. And then he's like, he, he just gets up, runs, jumps through the window, and there's like a thud. And he lands like the sons security vehicle down the street, he gets up, grabs his hat, and just like leaves. And Nikki's like, "Well, at least we know how it works." But it's like, what if there was someone? I don't know if there was anyone in the car that he could have killed him. Lulu asks Jen how it's going since they haven't caught up. Jen says that you know she's the head of a new law division at a prestigious firm and. As she saw, she now has superpowers. Lulu's like, I didn't mean that. She's like, are you dating a guy? Is there a boy in your life? And Jen smiles. She's like, oh, no. She's like, And Lulu's like, oh, I'm sorry. She's like, you'll find someone. Don't feel bad. And Jen's like, I don't feel bad. And Lulu's like, oh, that's that's the spirit or something like that. So then Lulu leaves. And then Jen sees Titania walk in. And she's like, hey, Jen, so good to see you. I love that you never make any effort at all. And Jen's like, what are you doing here? You're... And she says that she happens to be dating a friend of the groom and he invited her. So Lulu's happy to see her her, since she's, you know, so busy with like 5,000 businesses. And then Jen says that she's like, she weaseled her way in, you know, whatever. And Lulu says that she, she's like, I hear you, but you sounded kind of insane right now. And she's like, Titania would just show up at my wedding to try to kill you or something. So Jen's sitting outside this guy comes up to her it's a little awkward or whatever he says his name is josh and then uh you know they start talking and it seems like things they're hitting it off but then lulu comes up and she's like oh i'm happy i found you she's like half the staff here is walking out because the the way i'm treating them or something like and she's like can you help clean up around here like deal with some of the empties or something and she's like i could really use your help and she's like it's on the inside so she wants jen to clean up at the, the court the divorce mediation. So like one lady is like, the credit card payment was due and then Paul conveniently disappeared. This other woman says that she never saw a dime for raising Spencer Jr. alone for all those years. And there's this older dude, he's like, I spent like $10,000 on a New Orleans jazz funeral after Arnie accidentally swallowed a cyanide pill. So there's like all these people. It's not just a single divorce case. There's several. So Mallory realizes that not only did Mr. Immortal fake his death several times, he also forged multiple fake identities. So all of these spouses should be filing criminal charges. And, you know, so they're having this little, you know, meeting between three of them. She's like, you're lucky that you're not in prison. And he says that, you know, he'll never understand woman if you live to be a, he's like, and I will. So she's like, understand this. She's like, I could get you out of this, but you're gonna have to pay. And he's like, why are you smiling? And she's like, it's kind of fun. Jen walks up to the other bridesmaids. She's like in this oversized bridesmaid, you know, gaudy bridesmaid's dress. And one of the other says to her, It's like, oh, the groomsman's shirts got wrinkled from when they were playing Mario Kart. And Jen's like, from a video game? And she's like, Yeah. She's like, Video games are a sport now. They're like on ESPN and everything. And she's like, You're on ironing duty, right? And she's like, What? And then they like, they hand her all these like shirts. Then Lulu comes in like this gaudy, puffy dress, like big sleeves with shoulders, whatever. And she has. she's with jonathan he's this little dog in a suit that's who she's supposed to walk down the aisle with so it's like it's just getting like worse and worse at the mediation mr moroto says he's like ladies sebastian he's like how about this he's like i still have those apple shares that i bought in 1981 plus the the gold left to me by my first wife who's this baroness or something like that he's like how about we split it evenly eight ways and we call it a day so Mallory's like, "Oh, that sounds very fair." She's like, "I'll drop the paperwork." And one lady's like, "Wait!" She's like, "Wait a minute!" It's like, "We were married eighteen years," and the woman next to her, she's like, "They were only married three. Why should she get the same amount?" And she's like, "Because I had a kid with them." And another's like, "Why should we be punished for your mistake?" She's like, "My son's not a mistake." So they start arguing. Mister Immortal starts to get up to jump out the window, but Mallory stops him. So Chet is DJing, very annoying, of course. Jen gets a drink and it's a cash bar of course so she puts on like 12 dollars. you know it's like five dollars a drink or like that so she gets a couple drinks and leaves a two dollar tip and she's drinking dancing and stuff like that nikki's uh going over the details with the spouses mallory's very impressed with her how she's like and you'll get this and you'll get this whatever josh ends at the wedding finds jen she's tipsy and she just wanted to go to a wedding and show that she was doing pretty good. She has you know a great job and powers, she, you know, and great She-Hulk hair. She's like, you should see it. He's like, well, I'd like to see it. So he's like, I think you're pretty great. And then she's like, about to say something, she gets up to throw up. And is like, she goes after her, she comforts her, and then she punches her, and she goes flying. And Jen's like, I knew it. Titania's like, obviously, I literally said this wasn't over. And she's like, so now I'm going to publicly destroy you. And Jen's like, come on. She's like i won fair and square She's like get over it titania says that she doesn't get over anything and then she shoves jen back hard and she's like are you not going to turn and jen says that you know she's like i could take you like this but then she's like looking trying to focus and she sees like double vision she's like sees two titanias she swings and misses and like falls and titania's like this is so sad she's like it's no fun unless you know you're she hulk jen like laughs she's like why are you obsessed with me she's like i'm not although it seems like everyone else is She says that you know she doesn't get to ruin her with you know something that she doesn't even want and something that she doesn't deserve. And Jen's like, fine, just this once, I'll turn into She-Hulk. She tries changing, like she starts going green, like her shoes, her feet get big, her shoes break, and then she turns back. She's like, oh no, she's like, I forgot how to do it. Titania's like, this is pathetic, and Jen's like, just just give me a second. So she like stares at Titania and she closes her eyes and then she like stops her foot sends like a wave you know through the like she's like basically ruined the, the tile or, or the cement or whatever <laughs> flings titania to the reception hall because they're like outside josh sees her and you know like smiles as she waves she hug, like jumps to go attack chad and he's like we got a wedding fight she's like uh, uh, like air horn and he starts playing uh, electric boogie and then Titania hits She-Hulk a few times, and then She-Hulk lands a solid punch. Titania gets up and, like some dudes are like snapping pictures of her. She like growls and charges at She-Hulk, but then she slips on some ice because when she fell, she knocked this waiter over, and all this like ice and stuff fell out. So she slips on it, lands on her face. She gets up and like her teeth are busted. More people are taking pictures, and she's like, "My veneers!" And she's like, "Oh, you think this is funny?" She's like, "Are you showing your eleven followers on Instagram?" and she like knocks a lady's phone out of her hand and she like shoves a waiter she's like where are you going what are you looking at she takes the top of it she's like i'm taking this and she takes the cake she's like this wedding sucks and lulu's like not happy and she hulks she's like i know i promise but you know she sucker punched me and lulu's like oh my god she's like she hooks at my wedding she's like i love you so much i'm a fan so she must be drunk or something mallory and Nikki are sitting in i guess mallory's office having a drink they're looking at this uh Mr. Immortal video, and she you know she doesn't understand how someone with such fear and commitment gets married so many times, uh, but then Mallory said that she's like, well, I've been married for eleven years this October. It's like the day after my son's birthday, and Nikki's like, what you you have a son? And all this she's like, how many kids do you have? Just one kid. And she's like, that's enough questions. But there's like something there um, with the video. There's the I think Mr. I forgot what it was. Mr. Immortal mentioned something about intelligentsia this website. They go to this website, and then they have to like create an a user account, whatever. There's this article about She-Hulk, and then it's like, cancel She-Hulk. Um, when you a Hulk, but you still dumb. Or it's like, someone just shoot She-Hulk. Best memes. Eight reasons She-Hulk needs to die. How do we kill She-Hulk? Nikki like wants to text Jen, Jen but I was like, No. And she's like, you know, why would you want to put this mess in her head? Nikki's like, well, some of these are death threats. And Mallory's like, they're just trolls. It's like any attention give that you give them is what they want. And Nikki's like, fine. Then we see Nikki driving a car. She's telling Jen all about the site and the memes and the death threat. She's actually leaving a message. So she's like, she tells her right away. Then we see Jen is eating from a big plate of french fries with Josh. The camera pulls back. And uh, there's a camera monitoring them. And there's like all this other vital information on the screen. And then there's a message that says, is the next phase of the plant ready to go? Hulk king. So this user is called Hulk King. Uh, the person at the is at the at the commuter is like at a lab, there's someone else in the lab coat. Uh, then he puts like this nasty looking needle in this like small metal case with a like a radiation warning symbol on it. So someone's going after She-Hulk. You know, they, they tried getting her blood, and I guess they're going to try again. I don't know what this next phase is, so we'll have to see. And once again, no mid credit scene, and no cameos. So that was this week's episode. So it was a good episode. It was fun. Uh, oh, no, I guess, well, if you want to say Mr. Immortal, that's kind of a cameo. You know, it's his first appearance here, but it, it was it was cool to see him, even though I don't know how I feel about how he was portrayed, but it was still cool to see him. Okay, Cobra Kai. Uh, so, I, I, as I mentioned, I think I'm gonna do episodes four, five, and six, season five. So, season five, episode four, Downward Spiral. So, Carmen comes home, sink is busted. She calls Johnny, and he's immediately at the door. He's dressed as Maverick from Top Gun, and then playing with the boy. He starts playing. They're smooching. Then there's like beach volleyball with Miguel, and then there's a, a baby and a baby Bjorn. So she was dreaming. <laughs> it was just like a really weird opening. Uh, we see daniel and chosen are looking over Lurso Motors security footage they are like waiting for silver to burn his place down and chosen things that you know barnes will be on their side now but daniel says he doesn't even know that it was silver here that he left town while the insurance company investigates and then daniel and amanda are going to some like charity things like some not a charity ball but like some little organization get together or something party Shannon um, is at Johnny's pick up Robbie's stuff because he's spending the summer at her parents' cabin on Bainbridge Island, and she's impressed with the changes to the place. And then when she sees him carefully folding like one of Robbie's shirts, she's like, "Oh my god!" She's like, "You knocked Carmen up," and she's like, "You have the same overwhelmed look when you found out that I was pregnant." And he's like, Whoa. "You know, he's trying to figure out what he's going to do now and everything like that." She's like, "Well, you could get a job and you know, tech like delivering stuff. You know, but he's going to need a phone to to do that." or like delivering or ride shares or, you know, whatever type of Uber driver. Then there's a water park. Sam's there with her friends. Uh, Moon forgot that Hawk and Miguel were were coming and Sam's like, oh, it's okay, whatever. So it's a little awkward when he sits because there's, of course, a chair like right next to her. And Robbie goes up to Tori, says that, you know, he did work out some of the issues with his dad, but there's still some stuff that's too big to resolve. And he like looks over at Miguel then he says that you know, he's been thinking about this for quite a while. Um, you know, would she consider taking a break from Cobra Kai? For, and she's like, "What are you talking about?" And he's like, "You know, whatever Kreese did, it isn't half as bad as Silver." And she says that if you know, if she, if he wants to quit, that's not, that's on him. But she's a big girl and she can make her own decision. So if she doesn't want to quit. He wants her to quit kyler annoying guy thinks that he's gonna be the next king cobra because he's pretty sure robbie's not coming back kenny's like oh no he will and then he sees anthony there and he, of course he wants to start bullying him now the charity party thing is being held at terry silver's house of course then uh, dimitri shows up at johnny's to help with because he's like some mobile tech you know geek it's not like the geek squad i forget what he called himself but he's there with a bunch of phones and johnny is like he's like i just want one that's like 50 bucks and then he shows him this one it's like all cracked he's like you know don't cut yourself on the screen or whatever so he he needs a mobile phone that they can do like the apps for so he can give do like uber driving or whatever kenny kyler and two others they go up to anthony put some tubes in kicking and pool. Then Hawk goes over, because he sees this happening. So words are exchanged, and Tori comes to break it up. And she's like, okay, you stay on your side of the park, and we'll stay on ours. And you know, Robbie comes up, whatever. So Robbie comes up to her, and he's like, "You know, yeah, you can take care of yourself. But he's like, do you think Cobra Kai is the best place for Kenny? And she's like, what are you talking about? Silver tries smooth-talking Amanda. Amanda. And, you know, he says that he wants to be be better. He wants to make the kids better and all this like that. That's why he took over from Crease. And he just wishes Daniel would see that and send someone over, you know, to rough up his potential hires. And she's like, he did what? Because she doesn't know about, like, what he did, what with chosen. So Johnny's doing his, like, rideshare thing. Then um, he's delivering food too. So, and he. It's a, it's a typical like johnny montage like all these people he's getting a lot of one-star reviews like he's even like peeing in a can while he's driving the guy's like wait what are you doing there's more drama at the water park and uh daniel donated three rare bonsai trees and so the bidding starts in it then silver bids thirty thousand dollars and you can see daniel's just like burning up whatever and so silver when he goes up to You know, take the the bonsai trees and talk about it. He talks about giving free karate lessons to underprivileged kids. And he's like, Oh, it'd be great if you could help spread the word. And Daniel's just, you know, sitting there quietly, you know. And uh, then he he comes up to him, he's like, You need to respect the bonsais. And Silver's like, Oh, yeah, it sounds like they're a lot of work. He's like, I might just use them for mulch. So, how much money does Terry Silver have? He's just, here's $30,000, whatever. Johnny, um, he ends up going to the pawn shop. That dude that he's gone to, to deliver some food, and then he's talking. He's like, "Oh, you want a taquito?" He's like, "I already ate one on, on the way here." So the guy's like, throws the food away. And then he's like, complaining. He's like, "This job sucks." And the guy's like, "So quit." And he's like, "Well, I have a kid on the way and whatever." Then uh, the pawn shop dude, he actually gives some some good advice. He's like, "You know, it's not about necessarily doing what you love." He's like, "About providing for your family so you can have you know time with them and and, and stuff like that." So Johnny kind of takes that in. Hawk and uh, Tori, so to settle the water park thing, they're going to race down a water slide. So whoever wins the race gets ownership because they're complaining about certain rides are on certain sides of the park and stuff like that. So they're going to race for who gets to water park. Robbie talks to Kenny, says that, you know, he's like, I'm not going back. And he tells him, you know, Cobra Kai will turn him into someone that he doesn't want to be. Then Kenny's like, well, then back off. Cause you know, when he gets close, he's like, I'm never going to quit. So it's, it's like, uh, is Kenny like on steroids now that he's all angry and aggro? The race goes, Tori wins, wins the race. And part of the problem is there was a like a hole in the Hawk's tube. So then they're all yelling cheater and stuff like that. Because, of course, Kenny was like handing the tubes out when, when they were going up there. So as they're yelling cheater, you can see it, it bothers Tori a little bit because she knows that she shouldn't have won the tournament hawks tells Kenny, he's like i know you did something and he's like well, what are you do about it and he, he tells kenny that he doesn't have the balls just you know to strike first stuff you know to, and then kenny swings hawk easily dodges he's he does it again he tries kicking and then he grabs kenny's leg and then robbie comes up pushes hawk into the water miguel comes up after robbie then the lifeguard finally comes and tells him he's like oh you out of the park because you know he yelled at him before so they all get kicked out silver talking to this charity lady because uh like amanda wants to get like some position on the board or something like that so silver's talking to her like about amanda and daniel gets in his face because he like overheard him say you know had mentioned amanda then silver's like i just he tells daniel's like i just told her she was a phony and a liar you know all the stuff. He's like just like you and then daniel like pushes his finger side and then he's kind of silver like bumps into the table with the bonsais they fall and he break over and he's like on his knees like oh danny's like i didn't even push him that hard and, he, and he's like he was saying lies about my family and the church lady she's, she's like he was saying nothing but praises about amanda and you know she was so respected in the community uh you know her whole family is or was amanda's like furious and she like walks out johnny calls a shannon and says that he wants Robbie to stay with him over the summer. He, you know, he wants to be there for him uh, and her. And he, like, apologized for everything like that. And she's like, like, oh, it's good. You know, it's like we were young and dumb. And, you know, she was like, oh, I was going to go pick him at the water park. You, know, you can go and tell him the news if you want. Tori and Robbie are walking in a parking lot. And he's like, this is what happened when Cobra Kai gets involved. Everyone loses. And she's like, are you blaming me? She's like, I tried to stop a fight, not start one. And you know she thought that they were gonna have a fun day, but you know she guess that's impossible because he you know he says that only because she's with Cobra Kai, and she says that she's not leaving. Then he's like, well, then I guess that's it. She and Kenny and everyone else can stay brainwashed. You know he's done. You know trying to help, and he just walks away. Then Miguel sees Robbie, he goes up to him, he like shoves him, and Johnny like pulls up, and he's like tells him to stop. He's like we're all friends now, and Miguel's like no, we're we're not. You know and. You know, we're like, we're not friends. And he's like, we never, Miguel's like, we never will be. Amanda and Daniel come home. She's yelling at him over a ridiculous fight. And he's like, Silver's manipulating you know, us or whatever. All, all, he's starting all these things, all these fights. And she's like, do you hear yourself? And he's like, just let me and Chosen handle it. And she's like, fine. She's like, but I won't be here. She's like, I'm going away from you and I'm taking the kids with me. So episode 505, Extreme Measures, Tori's training like a new equipment at Cobra Kai, and everyone stops because Stingray walks in. So since John Kreese supposedly beat him up, you know, everyone, like Tori knows it's not true. And then Terry asks Tori to take over to class so he could talk to Stingray. So it turns out Terry's like renting him an apartment too. He also got him a car. So they go outside, it's a Cobra Mustang. He's like, oh, this is Sensei Lawrence's old car. And Terry's like, yeah, my, my guy found it at the impound so Miguel goes to this restaurant and then he sees Robbie at a table. So they didn't realize that Johnny asked them both to show up. So they both get up to leave and Johnny comes in. And he's like, Yeah, I lied. He's like, I knew you know you wouldn't come, you know, after what I saw at the water park. So he's like, I know you're both in bitchy moods since you broke up with your girlfriends. And he's like, Mexico is a little step in the right direction, so I thought maybe another trip would help. And then so he's he's talking about going on another trip, but he's talking about a trip through different types of Italian food or something like that then you know he's talking about like breadsticks and like that they're like the breadsticks aren't going to help and they both get up and leave daniel's staring at a family photo he's having a drink chosen tells him that you know his family will return you know it's, it's the most important thing to all of them and chosen sees this article on creases arrest with a liar written on it there's like a sketch of, a stingray in court so like liars written over stingray and dan dan's like where did this come from he's like well, it was in the mail it's like no envelope so chosen encourages him to like look into it amanda is at her mom's i guess and then uh this someone shows up jessica shows up to take amanda and the kids out so at first i'm like wait who is this jessica jesse whatever turns out she was from karate kid three i don't know if this was mentioned before but apparently I, i had no idea that they knew each other so johnny brings miguel to his place. And he's like, oh, don't worry. Robbie's not here. And there's like, it's weird because there's like, he cleaned up the place, but there's like beer cans stacked. And there's like a sign that says jail. And there's like some other stuff. And then Johnny um, goes like in the back. And he locks the door and Robbie comes out. Miguel's like, you just said he wasn't here. And Johnny's like, yeah, I lied again. He's like, it's not my fault. You felt for it twice. So he says he did some internetting. He found some strategies for trust and teamwork. he mentions like an escape room. And they're like, yeah, you know we know what the escape room is so we're not doing that so miguel goes to leave but johnny says he reversed the the doorknob so it's locked from the inside So like there's only one key and he runs it through the garbage disposal and he's like and i glued the window shut too he's like no one's getting out of here unless we work together so he came up with a theme so that's what the cans and the, the jail signer for whatever he's like new mexico territory 1878 and he's like saying this stuff miguel's like that's just a plot the young guns too he's like you saw it he's like yeah with you so he's like, you know, why are you pushing this so much? And Johnny says that, you know, he and Carmen are on their way to be, being a family. And then uh, Miguel's grandma comes in. She's just like, oh, and Billy the kid. And then Miguel like walks out because the door is open. Robbie goes to his room. Daniel's staring at his phone. He sees all the texts that he sent to Amanda. She's not responding. Then he sees Stingray and Johnny's old car. He said Creese puts him in a coma and now he's driving around in a Cobra Kai billboard on wheels. So they go and they knock on the door. And then he panics when he sees him, and he's he's like, "Oh, my guy just found a car to impound, whatever." And then um, you know Cobra Kai has changed and Silver took over, and Daniels as like, "It was like, What do you have a trust fund?" And he like pushes his way in, and and then at this point when you hear Stingray talking, this is when I realized that the dude playing Stingray was in Blackbird with Taron Egerton, so the show I talked about when it was on, on Apple Plus, I yeah. Daniel shows him a newspaper article someone sent to him and Stingray says he's like oh you know Silver's an honorable man and Daniel's like he went after my family you know that's the kind of man he is and Stingray is like well you know you must have done something to deserve that and Daniel like moves like towards him like kind of aggressively and Stingray falls back and like breaks his Playstation he like lands on it or something like that and it shows and makes Daniel back away and they leave he's like you know because he's bought and paid for so there's no way he's going to turn Jesse um takes amanda and the kids to like a pub and you know talk about there's this uh, like arcade you know tabletop arcade game that he used to play and stuff like that and then there's like this uh old mean girlfriend comes up to him and and she's when she sees larusso because she brings up when she hit the car with a baseball bat and stuff like that but jesse's like oh just ignore them daniel goes to johnny who's um scraping the glue off the windows and he tells uh Daniel, that you know, he's like knocking on a on a a door. He's like, "Oh, you have to open it from the outside." (laughs) So John or Daniel wants his help. He tells him about Stingray and his old car, and if Johnny can get him to flip, then they can take down Silver. So he's like, "Come on, let's go." And Johnny's like, "What?" He's like, "I'm dealing with some family stuff." He's like, "I washed my hands of Cobra, Cobra Kai when we lost the tournament." Daniel starts like talking loudly and that, you know, he started the whole Cobra Kai thing that he's going to open Pandora's box. And then like Daniel gets his, in his face. He's like, what do I have to kick your butt? He's like, all it took was one loss. And Johnny, he, you know, he doesn't like fall for the insult. And then he's like, what are you doing? He's like, you show up out of blue, raving like a lunatic. You reek of booze. Now you want to fight me? And then, yeah, then he tells him like Amanda's at her mother's in Ohio. Sam sees this viral video of, of Anthony getting kicked in the pool. And then she's like, why didn't you get me? He's like, well, I thought, you know, getting my sister would, would make it even worse. He's like, besides, I kind of deserved it. So it's good that he's, he realized that, you know, he was bullying Kenny. And now he's getting it back. So then Jessica mentions Terry, when Amanda mentions Terry Silver, she's like, she's like, oh. And this is when I realized, like, oh, that's who Jessica is. I didn't realize that she was from Karate Kid 3. So she said that she when she met Daniel, he was going through some things and um, silver was a cause so she explains that you know at first silver pretended to be his friend then his mentor and while his goons wrecked up his bonsai shop he you know beat him up they assaulted her and you know barnes kicked her into. you know we see it with, like flashbacks you know he kicks her and everything that barnes was like a real jerk i almost forgot how, how like evil he was so it's like they terrorized uh you know daniel every opportunity all to drive a wedge between daniel and mr miyagi and it worked so Johnny tells Daniel that he's not one to give advice. You know, he's sure that he and Amanda have had hiccups. They've worked it out, you know, so they'll work this out as well. He's like, just, you know, keep your head out of your butt and you know, don't get her, you know, don't do make things worse. And Daniel asks about like the decorations, and he explains that Robbie's staying with him and that he and Miguel are at each other's throats. So he tried to smooth things over and it crashed and burned. Daniel gives Johnny a, a compliment and and he's like and if you tell everyone you know then we will need to fight he's like and not tournament rules then he's like you know maybe that's what we should have done you know maybe the, the three-point rule got in the way so anthony tells sam that you know he tried to apologize at the tournament and then robbie came in and stopped him from getting his his butt kicked even more so then um that annoying girl remembers the name Amanda was got for a kid in the car she's like they call her babe ruthless and you know she has some mean girlfriends of course and jessica just she tells her to back off and then they stand up and she tells amanda she's like this isn't a yoga class she's like unless you have a bat hiding behind your back and amanda's like i don't need a bat tramp stamp it's like that so then this other girl shoves her and then jessica shoves the mean girl number one i forget i don't know what her name was to to uh, grab amanda and the first one gets up to take advantage she's like gonna hit her she's like ready just to lay it on her uh, like a, just to hit amanda or something like that then sam comes and kicks her like you know to the bar then amanda's like holy spit and she's like go and they run out of the bar it's like it wasn't even that big of a deal, but they made it like it was something. Chosen's packing up, and he doesn't want to give up. Daniel says that he can't stomach letting Silver win, but it's not worth losing his family. And Chosen's like, "I failed you," and Daniel's like, "No, no, you didn't." Johnny um, blows an air horn outside department. Robbie, and Miguel, and this other dude come up. <laughs> then uh, they're about to go back in, and he uses a sensei. He tells the other guy, "He's like, my own business guy here." So he uses a sensei voice. He says um, that if they want to hang on to their grudge, fine. At least be men about it, and you know, put their fists where their mouths are. He's like, fight it out. No points. No mats. Just fight until they get out of their system. And they're like, right here now. And then they're like, okay. So Johnny keeps like egging them on. You know, they're like making moves. And so- He's like, that all you got? I Thought you're sworn enemies. Miguel finally kicks Robbie and like in the the, the face. Whatever. There's a little blood on his nose. So the hits are getting real now. And then they're like just going at it or like that. Then he go into this like he's like, "Hey, hey, stairwell's out of bounds." They end up on a second landing, like a, the apartments. And he's like, "Okay, that's it, fight's over." Nope. So now it's, it's gonna get bad. Miguel's thinking back to the school fight. And he yells out this big yell, and Robbie's just like standing there. So he's about to like hit him like over the railing, whatever. Then Miguel stops, and Johnny gets up there, and Robbie's like, "Why'd you hold back?" And Miguel says that, you know, he didn't get into karate just to hurt people you know he did it to be badass and find balance and Robbie's like yeah he's like I understand that Miguel's like the last time we fought like this he's like uh how come you didn't hold back and he's like I just wanted to finish the fight I mean not like that I just I had tunnel vision I got so angry that I just I mean I barely knew where we were I just like I'd take it back in a second if I could he's like I was the cause of the worst moment in your life and he's like if it's any consolation it was the worst moment in my life too and Miguel's like, Yeah, I'll take it. So Johnny's like, So is it over? Are you guys good? They nod. And he's like, Thank God. You two were still hating each other when the baby got here. And they're like, Wait, what? So then it turns out they're both like super excited. And They both hug Johnny at the same time. So everyone's getting along now. Anthony tells Sam that, you know, you were like John Claude Van Dam, And then, then she's like, Well, I can teach you. And, you know, she just wants things to go back to how they work. Cause he's like, I thought you were done with karate jessica and amanda talk jessica says that you know they just got into bar fight over nothing daniel has every reason to hate terry silver so you know she's like i still have nightmares myself about him johnny and the boys are eating uh he got takeout from that restaurant and robbie's like Oh, you weren't kidding about the breadsticks so carmen walks in surprised because you know robbie's there and robbie's like i hope it's cool that i'm here and like without skipping a beat or whatever she's like yeah it's very cool she's like you're welcome here anytime then she says that Johnny is like, I oh, you know, off the side. She's like, they're getting along now, and she's like, don't tell me to bruise on her face you mean you beat them into submission. He's like, no, of course not. He's like, they beat each other into submission. He's like, don't worry, it was all supervised. You know, it was actually Larusso's idea. <laughs> and she's like, I didn't know you were working together again. He's like, well, we weren't, but I think we might need to. So Daniel goes to Stingrays to apologize. The door's open, and because you know, Daniel brought a new PlayStation, Terry Silver's there. He's like, you thought you could get him to turn on me? He's like, actions have consequences. Daniel's like, I'm not here to fight. He's like, the war is over. The valley's yours. Silver's like, I don't care about the valley. I have bigger plans. Then then Silver's like, how's your wife? It's like, so easy to disrupt your marriage. Imagine how easy it will be to wrap Cobra Kai geese around both your kids. So Daniel shoves at him, starts punching and kicking. He lands like a, a backhand across Terry's face. And he's like, That's it, Larusso, that's a Cobra Kai student, I remember. Then he pins like both Daniel's arms and like headbutts him and Silver is like pushing attack, like knocks him down. He says that, you know, he was willing to let it go and he kept getting his way. Daniel gets like shoved down again, and Silver says that it's like they're way past white flags. So Daniel lands some more blows, but then he misses twice, hitting like the pillars with like both fists. He got bloody knuckles, and he thinks back to Karate Kid 3 when he's punching that like wooden, like enemy blocking thing, whatever. So then um, he moves, but it's no good. He's down, and then uh, Terry puts his, his foot down in his chest. He's like, Don't look at this as an act of mercy. He's like, I want you alive and well to witness it, it all. He's like, the real pain is about to begin. So Tori's talking. She says she's becoming someone she doesn't want to be. You know, she's hiding the truth from someone she cares about. She's lying to someone, and, and you know, she's delivering notes that could put people in danger. So we see Amanda's back. Daniel's in bed. You know, he's trying to drink some water. His throat hurts. Johnny goes to Larusso's. Chosen still there. So. Tori's still talking. She's like, there must be another way, or at least someone else out there who wants to be in this fight. She's like, just tell me there's an end game to this. She's like, I need to know it's it's not all for nothing. So she's visiting Crease and in, in the like the jail. He's like, There is an end game, kid. Silver's going down. Only he doesn't know it yet. So that's the end of episode five. Episode five oh six, Auroboros. So Silver's at this like private airport, this little jet, more senseis arrive including sensei kim day um so she's uh, the daughter of the dude that that taught the american soldiers or whatever she asked she's like oh i thought sensei Kreese would be here and he's like oh no he's not here you know he's got legal troubles or something like that so she brought the best senseis from her dojos or like that and then he she's like you know she's like private planes and limos don't impress me and he says like that attitude is why i want you to teach at cobra kai and you know she's like he's like you'll have complete autonomy to teach however you see fit. So he, he wants to see which students are ready to move to the next level. So Johnny's at the Russo's talking to Amanda and Chosen, and he, you know he's in a suit because he's uh, Daniel's you know going to work. He says you know, but they say they have to make plans. Daniel's like I'm done with karate, and Amanda's like, but we're with you. You don't have to stop. And he's like well people just get hurt. He's like including my daughter. He's like. And he's like, ask Robbie how much I've helped him. Creese is visited by his granddaughter, Tori, again. Then he asks how their plan is going. And she's like, not well. It's like, Terry didn't even bat an eye because he's so focused on expanding the dojos. Also, Mr. LaRusso got hurt because of, of them. And Chris like, oh, that's one enemy you know, gone. And he says that when he gets out of there, he'll take care of the others. And she says that you don't care about LaRusso? And Creese is like, he was a means to an end. And she's like, is that what I am? And he's like, of course not. And she's like, how much longer, you know, do I have to stay at the dojo? He's like, a little while longer. He's like, I have a plan. She's like, play the good soldier. You know, keep your eyes and ears open. You know, silver will slip, and then that'll be the opening that we need. So then, at this other karate place, Topanga Karate, Devin is there. So Devin's the girl that was that joined uh, Johnny's uh, Eagle Fang. And so, I mean, there's no more Eagle Fang, so she she has to go somewhere. Uh, the, the sensei says that. that what she just did was good but she needs to watch her aggression terry comes in with some others and says that he thought her form was perfect so the this topinga sensei guy knows terry and tori's like there too and, you know, so many other sensei that came are, are kind of, like, one dude has, like, this eye patch and, like, big eyes. So it's almost, like, I don't know, like, they're just kind of kind of funny looking. Uh, like, it's just so, like, like, like an anime or just, like, some, I don't know, like out of a cartoon. So the sensei guy tells the class that he has some bittersweet news. Sensei Terry Silver made him a very generous offer, and he's proud to say Topanga Karate is now under new management. So they're part of the Cobra Kai family. So Terry started talking. He's like, yes, there will be some changes, you know, all for the better. He's like, your dues will be cheaper, and you'll be given a new sensei. And then the one dude he's he's like surprised by it. He's like, What? So he says like if they want to be the best, take a ghee. There's one guy with a box full of geese And he's like, if you want to quit, take a complimentary thermos, you know, from this other guy. He's like, you know, whatever, it'll be fine. No hard feelings. So then uh, sensei Kim wants Tori to stay because you know terry's about to go somewhere and she wants tori to stay so she can see who the best student is at this dojo chosen uh johnny and amanda are talking you know sam's like on her phone and they have to move because silver's empire is growing and sam tells them she's like he's not just making new dojos he's taking over others so she shows a live stream and johnny's like where's that at Or, or when was this recorded she's like it's happening now so Johnny wants to go down there, and Amanda's like, you can't just you know, go down as a you know one man army, it's not a good idea. And then Chose is like, Yes, I, I agree that it, it's not a good idea. So I'll go with you. And she's like, that's not what I meant. So Creese goes, he's in a cafeteria, he sits alone in a, the prison cafeteria. Some big dudes start hassling him, calling him old man and like take his jello and his food or whatever. He just stays calm and he lets them like like walk all over him. Later he's talking to a counselor about how he's getting along with others and and he's obviously sweet talking her because he wants to try to get released early. At Topinga Dojo, for some reason Devin's still in her blue gi You know, everyone else switched to Cobra Kai ones. Tori's like helping her, you know, she's like, you need to do it this way, you know, like this, you know, and then it turns out uh Devin lost her mom to cancer and you know she's saying stuff and Tori's like, yeah, I know how you feel. You know, and she's like, take that anger, put it into the hits. Chosen and Johnny talk about Daniel you know, being a pain, how, you know, but he always fought what he believed in. He never backed down, so they've arrived at Topanga. Johnny's surprised to see Devin there, and he's like about to go in and you know, get her, but Chosen stops him. He's like, you have to wait. Creese gets a letter in his cell, then he crumples it up so it had this like logo at the top and he finds a doc in the, in the hallway, his therapist. And he's like, I just got a letter from the warden. And I think something went wrong with your recommendation. And she's like, it seemed accurate to me. And he's like, she recommended that against his petition for early release. And she's like, just cut the crap. She's like, you know, meet with me tomorrow. If you want to dig deeper, she's like, I, I, I can tell what's going on. She's like, I've heard all the stories and everything. So Tori has to train against Devin, with this, it's like this pickup stick. There's like a stick on a table. Devin has to pick it up and she wins. Tori needs to stop her, you know, from picking up. So they start, she picks it up right away and then she's pushed, uh, the Sensei Kim, she keeps like pushing Tori to go ha- harder and and she gets tougher and Devin runs out. So it's like, okay, that's not not a good good thing. Um, the doctor tells crease that She doesn't think that he was always a violent person. And then, you know, as they're talking and stuff like that, then he sees his old girlfriend kind of talking, then it's Sergeant, then it's Terry, and then Tori, and then young Johnny, and then regular Johnny, and then the doctor again, then young Kreese. So he's like having these conversations with himself and what he thinks, whatever's going on. Johnny and Chosen enter the dojo. There's one sensei dude there. So they fight him. You know, the chosen kind of starts, then it's like two against one, which that's not cool. But then uh, Kim and like six other guys come in, <laughs> and, and it's funny because she's like, Oh, chosen, whatever. And she's like, And you must be Larusso, and Johnny's like, I'm not Larusso, he's like, I don't even look anything like him. So they're gonna fight, but chosen's like, The time's not right because they have the advantage, and then they leave. So Devin shows up at the regular Cobra Kai. Tori goes up to her and says, like, I thought you quit. And Devin says that she beat her, um, whatever, but she only loses if she gives up. So then Silver says that she reached out yesterday saying that she wanted to join the flagship dojo to learn from Tori. Chosen says that, you know, he defeated six of Silver sensei's before, but it took two of them to barely beat one of Kim's. And Amanda's like, well, they you know they need Daniel to lead the charge. And Sam says that it's like, well, I thought, or she's saying how she thought she was done with karate too. So maybe they can convince Dad. Crease's cell opens, and the big bully's there, and he punches Crease, and he gets up, and then he turns into young Crease. <laughs> so he knocks the guy out, takes on the others, like a big fight, and so like all this stuff's going on. Um, they keep coming at him. This one guy has a shiv. He like knocks it out of his hands, like a toothbrush shiv then others start like chanting like, sensei sensei and Kreese tells him he's like from now on you're gonna give me your jello so amanda takes uh daniel to the miyagi Doe place dojo miyagi's place um and he's like why are we here and they, they go into this back room and it's like all this mr miyagi stuff and he's like oh it's like a time capsule in here and she says that you know before they got married she had tea with with mr miyagi and how he loved daniel so much And Daniel's like, you know, I can't start up again. He's like, every time I try to fight for what's right, someone gets hurt. He's like, I can't fail the kids again. And then Robbie and Sam come in. And Robbie's like, you didn't fail me. And he says, you know, Sam and his dad told him what's going on. He says that when he first met him, he was a messed up kid, but he gave him a job and a home and a purpose. He's like, you can't just give up. He's like, you know, I should have listened to you about Cobra Kai. He's like, I didn't understand until, you know, he started mentoring someone himself. So now Silver's got a hold on the kid, and you know, there are some others in there that he cares about, too. So they need to stop Cobra Kai, but they can't do it without him. And then um, he's like, you can't do it without you, Sensei. And Sam talks, too, and says some stuff. And then they go outside. The rest of Miyagi-Do out there, Anthony's there. And then Sam asks Dad, he's like, do you want to fight? So they all bow to him. And then Daniel Chosen and Johnny bow back. And that's the end of episode six and 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 again it's it's kind of like a a good ending because it's like it's sort of a cliffhanger and it's like setting up the next direction so we have seven eight nine ten so four more episodes it's like this is taking so long to watch i thought i was going to fly through these because they're half hour episodes so hopefully next week i can finish this because i feel like it's getting later and later okay then there's quantum leap so new quantum leap started it's on nbc so it's on regular TV. I don't know why I'm so like intrigued by this. I wasn't like a big Quantum Leap fan. I don't even know if I watched it when it originally aired, but I know I, I watched like a bunch of you know old episodes or repeats, you know, or synd- when it was syndicated on like USA Network or whatever. So there's, I mean, I, I liked Scott Bakula. I liked him in a role, and, and you know it was it was a fun show. You know, he would it's, every week he's popping into someone's body, and and you have to see him like what's going on, what he has to do, what does he have to try to fix, and then he would move on to the next one. So the show picks, picks up from some of that. You know, there, There's mention of Sam, and it's like, in 1995, theorizing that one could travel within their own lifetime, Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and, and vanished. After years of attempting to bring him home, the project was abandoned until now. And then um, we, there's some woman at, at a computer like, that can't be right. And then she texts Ben mm-hmm. Song. Ben is uh, the lead character so he's at this party his girlfriend's with him addison augustine and um there's some others from the project there too but they're not supposed to talk about work tonight ernie hudson is there he's herbert magic williams he was actually in an episode of quantum leap i mentioned that he was like in this vietnam episode or something like that it's not clear if he knows that sam helped him but then um uh, ben looks at the text, you know, the window's closing running out of time. So he leaves the party. Then he's in a silly white skin-tight jumpsuit, stands on his platform, and then, choom, he's gone. So then he's behind the wheel in this van and this, like, portable like, TV is showing like, live, live-aid broadcast which is like, how is that possible? Because, it not it like on cable? I don't know if you could watch on a portable TV. There's a guy that's sitting next to him he calls him Nick and he puts on a ski mask and he takes out a gun. So Ben looks in the mirror. He sees it because so Ben is Asian. But now he's a white guy with a beard. He gets out of the van and he sees uh, like a dude with a Walkman. People in line at a phone booth. Goonies and St. Elmo's Fire are playing at a theater. He looks at his wallet and his driver's license says Pennsylvania. Then Addison walks up to him in the street and she's like, where have you been? We've been looking for you. And he's like, do I know you? He, she's like, you don't remember me. He's like, I don't remember anything. And then she talks about how memory loss could be a side effect of the, a, a, side effect of a leap. And so she's going to explain like what's going on, but then a bank alarm goes off and there's like a bunch of people running out. They're like one run her, So she's the hologram. So she's uh the Dean Stockwell character. Um, she's an owl character. She tells him like get in a van, but the van is stick. He doesn't know how to drive stick. So he's a, uh, he's supposed to be the getaway man. Addison tries explaining how to drive or anything like cops are chasing. And then like, suddenly he's a lot better at driving. He's like not stalling. I mean, it's, it's, he's great. Maybe he's just super smart and he picked it up really fast. So, So then he was told that that was just phase one of whatever their plan is. So Amanda explains everything to Ben. He's a time traveler from 2022, which again, I don't think it's a good idea that they're starting in the present, but whatever. She says that they work together. So she doesn't tell him that they're like boyfriend, girlfriend, so she's there to bring him home, but then she like glitches out. So Ian, um, who works with them, says that Ziggy's offline. So Ziggy's like their, their computer. Um, Magic, Ernie Hudson, works for the Pentagon. Uh, so apparently Ben rewrote some code for the project, leaped without telling anyone. Addison, uh, so Magic's going to go tell the Pentagon like what's going on, but she's like, you can't do that because they might shut down the program and then Ben will be stuck. So Addis- Addison tells Ben that you know they don't control the leap the machine does and she explains sam's original project leaping into people into the past to right the wrongs and then it starts over and he's like well why don't we just ask this beckett guy and she's like we can't because he never made it home so it just kind of goes from there and then you find out that the guy that ben is in his friend has like a family and a, has a wife and a daughter you know so he's in this they're trying to steal like this hope diamond and replace it but there's like explosives involved and and there's like all this stuff going on, but the the big question is like, who is this person that texted Ben at the beginning? And you know, in this footage, she has this ring, which is like this. Uh, it, t- it turns out that the the ring was from a Navy platoon in Vietnam. So it's like, her father was this dude that was involved with the project. He died or whatever, like that. Yeah, and it, and it's your typical quantum leap stuff, you know, trying to right the wrong and help the guy and do all that stuff, and then he at the end he jumps, and he's in a spacesuit, he's like an astronaut, and the ship's you know space shuttle is about to take off. So, apart from that, I mean, it it was it was just okay, you know, it was a quantum leap and. I you know I am intrigued. I don't know if if they'll touch on on like what happened with Sam all all that stuff. You know, it'd be great if they could. But Scott Bakula said that you know he's not involved with the show. Maybe at some point they can convince him. It, it just it's weird to think that he never came home. So it's like what does that mean? Is is he still jumping around? Because if if he's not hooked up, if if the idea is that Ziggy is sending him to where he needs to go to right or wrong then there's no one controlling that unless it's somehow still running or is he like in someone's body and he's just like stuck there living out that life. But then I guess the other question is like, what happens to your body when you jump? Cause like Ben's body disappeared. So Sam's body disappeared when their, their essence or whatever is going into someone else's body. I, I don't understand. I don't know, but I don't know if I'm going to be, I, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to talk about the show every week. Uh, I, I don't think I, I don't know if I'm going to even watch the other episodes. I'm curious. I don't think I'm curious enough to watch it. Plus, the fact that there's just so much other stuff. Um, unless I hear that Scott Bakula is coming on, I might you know try to watch some or pick up. But also, a show like this, I'm sure it it's okay if you skip episodes. You know, there's going to be little tidbits like moving you know progressing to the the kind of overall story but the majority of it is going to be like oh he's an astronaut if he's even an astronaut that next episode they may like jump to something else i don't know it's just i don't think i there's too much on my plate i'm not gonna watch it and i was just okay with it i didn't love it it was fine but it didn't gr- like make me want to watch more then there is star wars and so three episodes came out which again i think is crazy um, it's an interesting show when the whole, when it was announced, I'm like really you're you're taking a guy from Rogue One, which I like the movie i, th- I think I've only watched it a couple times, maybe three times, but just idea it's like wh- why why are we taking some from here? It's like you know what what story is there to tell, which is what we're gonna find out it definitely it doesn't feel like your typical Star Wars show, which is probably a good thing, and I think I saw something that the writer or someone was kind of treating it like it wasn't a Star Wars show necessarily to, then not just do the same thing. And, and you can, you can kind of see that a little bit. Uh, it was interesting. One of my students watched like the first episode and he's like, it kind of feels like it's more for adults or something like that. And there is one scene that's a little risque, not, not much at all, but I don't know if that made him feel weird or, you know, so it starts off on Morlana one, pre-ox Morlana corporate zone um it's five years before battle of yavin it's raining it's night and walks through just like shady town he goes up to this place he's not supposed to have weapons or anything like that they're like the upstairs lounge is closed tonight so he's at just like this club or just like bar he gets a drink this woman comes up to him and asks if he's alone and you know these other two guys at the bar are like hey we were here you know before him but you know she wants to talk to to him first and he says that a, a, f- a friend of his told him that there was a girl from canary working there and but it seems like she's not there so he's like where'd she go and she's like i don't know he's like he's like who are you husband or boyfriend he's like i am her sister and she's like well she's not here and then he's like well did she say her name or anything like that and they're like no one says her real names here so he's looking for someone he just leaves as he's walking back to the ship or whatever he gets stopped by two guards like calling at him so it's, it's the two guys that were inside for whatever reason they're mad at him and you know they're it's this was supposed to be like a pleasure house or something like that I think they decide to go after him and said and uh so they're like you need to show ID or something like that and they pull out their blasters on him Then he's like I have credits in my my coat and then uh the one like starts reaching in he's like no the other pocket then he headbutts him grabs a blaster from from the the dude and he like shoves again you know knocks him down or whatever and then the other guy's down there he's like he's not breathing so i don't know i missed i don't know how to happen somehow Andor must have killed him and then this guy's worried now he like please he's like you know basically he's like we'll make up a scenario to cover his death or whatever Andor just shoots him and then he runs gets in the ship takes off so then on ferric's Morlin system free trade sector there's this droid b2 emo it's like this kind of like square droid whatever then uh there's this flashback uh is having a flashback this ship like over it is like shot or something like, crashes down there's like a bunch of kids in this village so this is on Canari. so this is must be where he came from so he asks b2 emo to lie for him say that he hasn't seen him or something like that and then he seeks out his friend brasso to make up the story that he like saw him last night they, they, they like hung out whatever so in more Atlanta one corporate sector headquarters there's this security dude. i never caught his name and I didn't like look it up or anything like that. He gives a report of the two dead guards to like his boss. And then the boss wants to cover the story and he's like, but they were murdered. He's like, no, they weren't murdered. They were killed in a fight. He's like, they were in a brothel, which they shouldn't have been. And the dude, he wants to investigate it, but the, the boss is like, no, you know, it'd be bad, you know, whatever. So basically the fact that they were there in a place where they shouldn't have been at a place they shouldn't have been, you know, it's just, it would be bad if it, any attention is drawn to this Andor goes up to a woman uh her name is bix it was alejandra roja whatever she was in uh she was in um what's that movie the the belco experiment which i really loved and she was also in uh the new father to bride movie and obviously she's been in other stuff too um there's something else she was in i don't remember so he wants her to contact her secret friend who buys stuff because he needs to sell something. And he's like desperate. He has to sell ASAP. And she's like, what is it? He like doesn't want to say. But then finally, he's like, it's an untraceable NS Star Path unit. He's like, the Vector Crystals and st- the Imperial Seal are still intact. So then she's kind of mad at him that he's been holding this back from her. And he's like, you know, he, he's like, I need to get out of here. And I need to lay low. It's like, I really need this. So she's like, OK, I'll, I'll let you know. Then there's a flashback, so they're speaking Kanari, and I think they're gonna go like scavenge stuff from the crash or something like that. The thing is, when they're in Kanari, they're speaking this other language. They don't even translate it for us, so like we have no idea what they're saying, which I think is kind of the point. But it just it seems weird. Uh, the, The one security dude still looking into the two deaths, even though he was told to like back off. Then he's, you know, they're looking at the ships leaving the planet. And then there's this one ship that left that has no ID. So he tells the council go, the guys to track it. And they're like, well, it'll that could take hours or days. And they're like, well, then you better get on it. So some guy, um, Nur, Nurchi confronts Andor, says that he wants his deposit back or something like that. And he's with this big alien named Vetch as muscle, but then, you know, they, he gets, gets out of it. So then, um, bix goes out on some errands her boyfriend tim with two m's he follows you know he knows that she's friends with andor so you can tell that there's like some jealousy and stuff like that he ends up bumping into this alien he loses her so she like goes off she goes into his shop and she like climbs this like smokestack thing it has like a radio inside she calls her secret friend or whatever so then the security dude he's asking others for information he's still like pushing into this trying to figure out like where the ship went to or whatever Andor goes to this, like, junky shipyard guy to um, change the flight logs of the ship that he borrowed. His his contact, you know, the guy that helped him out, he tells him, he's like, you need to finish up. He's like, and don't come back. You know, you can't just, you can't use the ship again. So then there's a, a flashback, and then Andor, the kid, he's going hunting. Um, so it's like, who's this this girl? He keeps talking. They call him Kassa, um, which his name is Casting, but it's Casa with a K. So there's this little girl that keeps talking to him which i'm assuming is his sister and that's the end of the first episode in the second episode and I, these episodes i'm pretty sure they don't have names unless they they add them. a lot of times disney doesn't have names right away or like hbo and then they add them later so there's a canary flashback. Akasa stops to look at this big crater. You know they're all going in a sun. So this is like the first time he was invited on a hunt too, because he I guess wasn't old enough before. But you know he wanted to go, and then they're like trying to stop him. But then the like the girl leader, so the girl like says that basically he can go. So at the in the present at the end of the day, these miners they put their gloves on these big walls. They're like not necessarily miners. They're just some sort of workers. Then the, the shipyard guy is like shutting everything down. Tim asks Bix if everything's okay. She says she's just tired. You know, he wants to have dinner. And she's like, oh, tomorrow. Then when she leaves, he looks at what she was reading and he looks on a screen. So there's a, like a bulletin out, but a Canari male resident wanted for questioning. They have to contact some like security, whatever, without delay. Andor returns home. There's this lady there, Marva. She and B, the droid, uh, they read the security thing too, and she's like, "Who knows that you're from Canary?" And then B tells him the Bix tried calling, so he he goes to meet with her, explains that the the two guys were trying to shake him down, um, and Tim's like spying on them like a creep, and um, you know he's he's drinking, he's got like a little flask or something like that, and then he goes to this phone thing, so he's gonna rat up Andor. So at the security place, they have the name Cassie Andor from a tip line. File says that he's from Fest. That he's not from Canary, But the obsessed security dude—he looks at the whole image of Andor, and then they bring in the lady from the brothel place. So I don't know if she's gonna recognize him or if she'll say anything. Then Bix goes to Tim's. She says that you know she couldn't sleep. They this, and this is their, like the risque part. You know they they start it's like smooching whatever. So maybe my my student didn't see this part if this was in the second episode because he said he saw it first. At the security office, this dude calls in a guy, um, so he wants to move in, and you know, on this this tip, they want to go investigate it. So he's gonna be like his his it's like this command or this other officer that's gonna lead the, the security team. Andor goes to the shipyard. He grabs the equipment thing, so he had it hidden in like the ship that he wants to sell. Um, then there's a flashback. Kids are approaching the crash ship. Then we see. In the present, this man lands on the outskirts of town. So his name is Luthen Rail, which he's played by Stellan Skarsgård. Bix wakes up, and Tim is sitting in a chair by the bed. He says he couldn't sleep, and she tells him that she has to run some errands this morning. So every time she says that, that's when he gets suspicious. So there's a flashback. There's some bodies outside the wreckage. There's like you know one crew member wakes up and shoots the leader girl in the back. The other kids start howling and like shooting him with like like blow darts or something like that then uh you know he tries shooting at them but then they shoot more blow darts at him and so he gets hit like a lot he finally falls over so they check on on the girl that got shot and i like, guess she's dead they carry her away so ander goes up to this guy like at a like a monitor or whatever and he's like looking up canary and he hears it he's like what's that like acting like he doesn't know anything so they, they finally find something there's some outpost that was abandoned after this mining disaster which is probably like what was that big crater thing wasn't really great i don't know how to describe it and like apparently everyone died there so must be maybe all the kids parents died and the kids were left to form this tribe and, and try to survive so uh, the the big security dude talks to, to soldiers about approaching the planet and to be prepared um that they have to do things you know they do things differently there whatever and then um the main eager dude he get the the enthusiastic the the guy in charge who shouldn't be doing all this he's supposed to give a, a speech' or like a pretty crappy speech like he's obviously not not good at that. And then we see Luthen he rides this transport bus like train thing and he's he's not not thrilled that they're like circling because he wants to get to the town part. in the third episode so here's where things can really start to pick up. So we see Casa goes into the ship wreckage alone. And like uh, the the bodies have like this yellowish tint, so I don't know if they're aliens or like what's going on. Andor talks to Brasso that he's a uh, so his friend. He says he's about to come in some money and he's leaving. Uh, he'll leave what he owes to him with Marva, and he asks if he can look after her. You know, like if he if he can do that. Luthen's um, shuttle thing lands. He walks by Bix, and then she like sees him, so she kinda, like starts walking next to him. And she says there's a complication because an alert went out for andor and he's he's like yeah i've seen it he's like it doesn't mention his name only that they're looking for someone from canari and his prison record says that he's from fest so to shuttle with the soldiers head to the planet marva and this dude clem they're like on this isn't a flashback they're on that same ship that casa went in the young andor they're scavenging the ship as well they find casa and because he, he's like he started like destroy um like smash the panels of the ship he's like mad because his friend leader whoever got killed he can't understand what they're saying they can't uh, understand him and then she wants to take casa but because there's like she's like a republic ship is coming they'll kill him but clem's like he has people here and she's like they killed an officer and then she sedates the kid she sedates casa so the security shuttle lands they go to Andor and uh, Marva answers and the lead dude says that they have a warrant for Cassian Andor forces their way in they see B and then um they're like wondering if, if there's like any signs of him then Cassian decides to call B on a comm, because he hooked up a comm and hooked it into B so he could like talk to Marva or something whatever so then they're able to track the transmission so they know where he's calling from. Luther enters uh, the building where Andor is. Um, word gets to Bix that security are looking for Cassian. And then she's like, someone ratted him out. And then Tim, you know, she's about to go and Tim tells her, stop. She's like, he can take care of himself. And she's like, who? She's like, how do you know who we're talking about? And he doesn't say anything. She's like, did I ever tell you Cassian was born on Canary? Um, and he kind of stutters. He's like, I, I don't remember. And she's like, I do. She's like, how could you? And she leaves. So Luther wants to know how Andor got the device. So Andor wants 40,000 credits for it. And then um, Luthen's like, I'll give you another thousand if you tell me how you got it. And he, then Andor's like, you just, you walk in like you belong. You get a uniform. You just have, have an attitude. He's like, they're so proud. They don't care. And Luthen's like, their ignorance or their arrogance is is ridiculous. He's like, their day will end soon. And Andor's like, yeah, whatever. He's like, I, he just, he wants his money. But then he, um, he says, you know, Luthan wouldn't want to get caught with the thing. So, you know, they better like hurry up and get out of there. Luthen's like yeah he's like they'd hang me in a square He's like it wouldn't be the first time isn't that what happened to your father and andor pulls his blaster out he's like who are you and Luthen says that he knows him he knows all about him he he wants a box but he would like andor to come with him and you know he because he doubts that he's sticking around he knows that he killed the two dudes and they're coming for him And he's like who are you he's like that's the wrong question the right question is how much time do we have to get out of here and Andor is like, why do you think I would go anywhere with you? And he's like, don't you want to fight these bastards for real? So in town, as the security people are moving about, people start like banging on like metal things when they see the guards, and it keeps going. So it's like some sort of signal that's like going through the town. Luthen says that he has a ship near the ferry lot, and then um, Cassian, he's like, well, maybe you're an Imperial spy. Luthen's like, you know, the special people are hard to come by, and you know, he didn't want to see him wasted. So there's a then this device in his pocket goes off. He asks Andor, he's like, "Are you carrying a comm link? And he's like, "Yeah." He's like, "Let me see it." And he, he takes it. and He steps on it. He's like, "Don't carry anything that you you don't control." So Bix runs and sees like some security people. So she like turns around a corner. Then they they stop her because she's running and she looks scared. So they figure she must know something. And they like grab her. They're very rough and stuff like that. So there's security guys outside they're waiting for reinforcement you know they know where cassian is catherine and luthan luthan had put charges by the door when he came in and he blows them one guy comes in like collapses then Andor, he's like oh we gotta get the box loses like no and then there's like shooting so some people start coming in even though you know they're waiting for backup but they're still i forget how many were there so there's a, a bunch of machinery like hanging from chains and um so it's like some of them fall and then like the chains are whipping around to, like wrap around the guys like to grab and the whole place is practically falling down like Andor gets hit he i think he gets like shot in the shoulder or something like that and um th- their ideas they can get out like under the, this furnace Andor keeps saying that you know he wants to go back there and get the box tim sees bix is bleeding from getting you know she, she got shoved against a wall she got blood on her head and her arms kind of like pinned it must be attached somehow to something so um Tim like gets like just stop right there but then he you know when he sees her he keeps going towards her he gets shot so it's like okay that didn't do any good security leader and his commander guy they hear about what's happening so they split up the banging is still going on like throughout the town Marva says like that's what a reckoning sounds like and then the, the guard with her is like oh shut up the security um, leader he's there too waiting you know for, assuming that Andor is going to return back there She says, when it stops, that's when he really went to start to fret. And then the leader guy's like, why? He's like, what happens then? Then the banging stops. Andor points his blaster at the leader dude in the head. And he tells him to take his comm out and put it down. And he steps on it. Andor asks, how many of him are there? And he's like, scared because this guy's like, he's just like too soft. You know, he's never been, he probably never seen any field action. So he like mumbles something, but, you know, doesn't really answer. And then Luthan's like, kill him and he's like how many of you are there luther's luther's like i'll kill him so the the dude's like 12 he's like then he's like 14 he's like there's a dozen men and two officers so a guard makes it to the shuttle and he starts to take off but there's like this big chain that's hooked onto and it like stops it kind of like you know stops or whatever it's this huge piece of machinery is like kind of throws it off balance as it tries flying away it gets stuck in the structure and then it causes the the ship to swing around and smash into the structure and blows up this other officer guy's like we're under siege he's like they're everywhere Andor and luthan are you know looking at some speeders because they need to get to a ship then Andor is like how many of those charges do you have left so the lead security dude he was bound and gagged he's like rrr, rrr, rrr. he's like yelling us like that so some people some of his soldiers hear him um they cassian and uh Luther drive out and like this vehicle the security they, they shoot it down the street it flips over and it's like up in flames but then they come out on a speeder bike they blow some charges they get out of there in a flashback marva carrying casa cassian while b and clem are following then in the present marvin b are sad that he's gone bix is freed from being pinned to the wall she wants to go to Tim, but they're like, we got to get out of here. And then the lead security dude, he's just standing there looking at the gigantic mess that he made. He's going to get in so much trouble because he was specifically told to leave it be. Then uh, Luthan and Andor make it to the ship. And then it's like kind of parallel. Casa wakes up as the ship takes off and Marva kind of like looks at him and smiles. And that's the end of the third episode. So it's interesting that it, you know it's, it's kind of showing us, we're, we're getting two timelines when Cassian was a, a kid and you know 5 years before you know rogue one or whatever and uh we're seeing how we were finding out you know we know his dad was killed and we saw him with his tribe of kids we know he has a sister and and marva i'm assuming is basically raised him since you know they're still together so it's it's interesting uh and then luther is obviously recruiting him to kind of work, work for the republic or the, or the, the rebels so i I haven't like read much about this, so I don't really know like the direction, like where the season is supposed to take us. I don't know how much information is out there, but I'm enjoying it. Uh, you know, the fir- the first episode was interesting. You know, it starts off with like him killing these two dudes kind of like, it's like a matter of survival, but the fact that, you know, he didn't flinch, you know, there, they were bad dudes trying to hustle him, but it, it's, it's uh, definitely an interesting feel where it it feels a little bit, you know, different from just your regular Star Wars stuff. So this is like always been my thing. It's like you know, why would I care about other characters if it's not Han or Luke or Leia or you know whatever? So it'll be interesting to see how the show goes and you know how I'm going to react to it. I mean, that's that's what I'm curious about. Okay, and now the movie feature is Don't Worry, Darling. So this is directed by Olivia Wilde, and you, as you, you're probably aware, she. Her directorial debut was Booksmart, which was a really good movie. And the movie stars... This movie stars Florence Pugh, Harry Styles, who Harry Styles replaced Shia LaBeouf. There's a little drama. There's, like, so much drama surrounding this movie, which is... I I don't even know the full story, and I kind of don't really care. Um, Olivia Wilde's in it. uh, Gemma Chan's in it. um, Chris Pine's in it. I, I think there's some other... Obviously, there's other people, too, as well. So, the... What's interesting about this? Um, it's uh, based off a short story, I guess, and it's it's. I I just read today how the ending is different from what the screenplay was, or something like that. That they changed some things. I don't know which ending. I, I'm kind of I'm kind of okay with how the movie ended, and the the ratings aren't great for this. The Rotten Tomatoes right now is at a thirty eight percent based off 213 reviews but the audience score is at 83%. So there's a huge difference there. And I I didn't not like the movie. I I mean there's there's a lot of really cool things about it. I mean performances are good, you know Florence Pugh was, was great. Um, Olivia Wilde, her character, you know, wasn't a huge part but she was good. Chris Pine, eh, he, he I don't even think he, he was that necessary you know it's almost like anyone could have played that role he didn't have like a big role so it's just like whatever you know he's he's a great actor wasn't really necessary for 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 this um harry styles he he was fine in 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 his role i feel like he's supposed to be like the the co-star but i almost feel like he didn't have a huge role even though he's a big part of it you know he's an important role Gemma chan you know she didn't have a huge role but you know there's some important things as well the the movie had a 35 million dollar budget and um visually it's this it's a really good movie it looks looks amazing i mean there's a lot of cool stuff you know it, it's uh i haven't even said what the movie's about so it's, it's like there's this kind of town like out in the desert you know it's like in the 50s so you got all these like awesome cool you know cars and and just like the clothing they wear cuz you know it's like all the the husbands in the community they go to work at this um mysterious you know victory project and we we never never find out like what they're supposed to be doing so they all go to work there and then like the all the wives stay home so basically because it's the 50s you know they they get hired by this by Chris Pine's character who's this like you know important you know he's got all these big ideas they're doing all this you know top secret important work and Part of that is they they live in this community. You know, that that's part of it. You, you get the job and, and you work there. And, um, you know, it's, it's like a privilege to be there. And, you know, because you're doing such important work and everything like that. The, the weird thing is there's like certain parts of town you're not supposed to go. Like there's these like restricted roads, whether it's for, you know, certain employees only or whatever. And as, as a dude, you know, it's it's almost. I, I feel kind of like I, I described it to a co worker, like it's kind of like Stepford wives or what, you know, it's like very. You can see something's not right, you know, because like even in the morning, you know, all the the husbands are leaving at the same time, they back out of driveway, the wives like wave them off. They all drive like out through the desert to like this mountain. So it's like, what does that even mean? What's going on? And then the wives are at home and then they, you know, they go shopping or they, they do this like dance class and you know like this ballet stuff or you know they go shopping and you know then they make the dinner and and you know like when harry styles comes home from work you know florence pew she's wear, you know wearing this nice 50s dress and you know she's got dinner cooking and ready she's got a drink in her hand for him and he comes home and you know they're so lovey-dovey and everything like that but at the same time it almost feels like like this is too much like you know there's something off there while there's like this one big party at, at Chris Pine's place, you know, the big boss's place, there's one wife who she's like, we don't belong here. There's something off. And they're like trying to shush her. And then um, sort of like, she's like, something's off. She's like disturbed. She's bothered by something. And they're trying to play it off that maybe she's just not well, you know, there's something going on. But then you're also starting to wonder, like maybe there's something else going on. And, and Florence Pugh, you know, she's kind of, Curious too, because this woman was like a friend's, you know. They're, you know, and and they kind of stopped talking to her when she started acting weird. uh, Because you know, it's like, well, what are you supposed to do? And and you know, you and also at the same time, you kind of can't rock the boat because if you know you upset the boss and if you know you get in trouble, you can get fired and then you get kicked out of there. And and they're also, you know, not only are they friends, but they're also kind of like family and everything like that so there's a, a lot of the stuff going on and then you know Florence Pugh she starts to kind of wonder and and you know starts getting a little suspicious but you know they're all just trying to play it off and everything like that so there there's some parts where it's not not that it's annoying the the, the way it's treated the way it's handled but then you start to see it's like okay something is going on but I can't I, I don't want to mention what that something going on is because I actually I I think I heard before I saw the movie it's like someone said something about a twist. Is it really a twist? Is it a development? Is it just a story progress? I mean there there's there's something that happens. I'll just say that. So I definitely think that you know if you're gonna see this movie, you should watch it before you hear that. Um, what what's going on? The thing that happens, I'm sure there's gonna be like so many people to see the movie and they're like oh yeah I saw that coming I knew it was gonna happen. You know something, you know something is is going on. You know, there's just it's too not artificial because there's even a part where like you know you see in a trailer where Florence Pugh is making food and then she grabs an egg and she like squeezes it and it just it's empty, and then she grabs another one you know, and there's like some other things going on. Uh, there's one part I think it's also in a trailer where she's taking a bath and then she kind of. Like, goes down underwater but then her like her reflection doesn't so it's like wait what sort of mind trippy thing is going on here you know is this a dream what's happening you know in that moment the, the bath scene was that a dream is that really the so there's clearly something happening here and um the explanation it's i i'm I, I i dig it i'm, I'm intrigued with it it's kind of up my alley like sort of the things that i would like and i'm I feel like just saying that, if you know me, that might give some things away as well. But apart from like some of the, the good performances in here, I feel like the just the story in general. I, I don't know. It it, it kind of it, it wasn't quite satisfying. I I think once you you see like what this quote unquote twist is or whatever like that, it you know it makes sense like what's going on. But I feel like at the same time, there's also still some questions that were unanswered. And part of it is like, what is the whole point? Like, what is this victory project, you know, supposed to be? And when all the dudes go off to work during the day, we don't know what it is they're doing. Uh, You can maybe kind of surmise. I mean, there is something that, like Harry Styles does say something at one point, which... I think maybe I, I get what maybe he had to do there. It's just um, it's just kind of weird. What and, and is it's supposed to be like that. So with with that and the way the movie just kinda I mean it's not necessarily cliffhanger, but I could really see how some people are gonna be kind of put off by that. I, I dig it, like I said, I, I'm I'm totally fine with how that ended. The the original ending I don't think I like that so much. I mean, it, it kind of... It felt like it just went longer than how this does. And I, I think this is totally fine. I don't think there needs to be anything else more to this. We, we kind of get it. It goes from there. The original ending kind of felt like... It, it almost like it took a step backwards to kind of continue to draw things out. Like maybe the original story was kind of saying, well, maybe we can do a sequel or continue or go on from here. I don't know if we need to. I mean, there's, there's definitely some stuff that could be explored more like with Gemma Chan at one point, she does something. So it's like, okay, what does that mean for the whole scenario? So I'm really curious, like what, what the, the idea and motivation for some of these changes, was there ever the possibility of trying to explore the story further or was this just it? Cause you know, it's not, not necessarily everyone wants to do sequels, but obviously if you're trying to make a movie and you can make a sequel, that just means more money. But I yeah, I, I'm just I really don't know like what the motivation was. If it's just like meant like boom, that's it. We're gonna leave it like that, don't look back. Some people might be like, I, I don't want to do a sequel, it doesn't need it. You know, this is a story. So I uh, I don't know. So I, I think I like the movie. Yeah, I am kinda if I were to give it, I, I never do ratings, I don't know why I'm going there. But I think I think maybe I would do like a 2.5 or 5 out of or 2.5 or 3 out of 5. I really like the visuals. I love the music. I, I love just, you know, there's some good performances, but it just it was just missing a little something. I, I, I don't don't I almost feel like I need to watch it again. I mean it would be interesting to see some things knowing what I know after. You know, as 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 the movie progresses, you, you kind of pick up on some other things. So it would be kind of curious to go back and, and see those i i'm sure i'll watch it again i won't go back to the theater and watch it but i'm I'm sure i'll definitely watch it again at some point the the funny thing was when when i saw it at at the the theater there is a clearly like a few rows down there's like these three young girls who were there just for harry styles and (laughs) Because there's like one scene in the movie. that I don't think this is a spoiler, but you know, if you see the trailer, you know he's he's always you know very clean cut and very well dressed, and you know he's just totally Harry Styles and and all that. But there's like one part where he's not the most presentable way. You know, his hair is you know it's he's and they're like no, <laughs> it's like they were upset that he wasn't in like you know pristine presentation. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, but then there's also another part where it's like kind of like serious, like emotion, like and then they're kind of like laughing. It's like that's isn't supposed to be funny, so that that was a little annoying. But so it, it um I, I debated, you know, because I, I saw like before it came out that the, the, the I think the Rotten Tomatoes was like at a thirty one. It did go up to like thirty whatever I said thirty three. But I was a little concerned. I was like maybe I shouldn't have, you know, gone to see this. But I am glad I did and. I just think this is a very visual movie with you know some good performances, and I I like the whole mystery, the fact that like what is going on in this weird town, what does all this mean? So there there's definitely some intriguing aspects to it that I that I really dug, but yeah, I almost feel like I do need to see it a second time to see what I appreciate it more second time. Cause like I said, I didn't not like it, but it just left me a little. You know, wanting something more. I don't know, but I I did. I, I guess if I'd have to say, I did like it. I just didn't love it. And you know, I, I I'm definitely glad I saw it. If that helps, <laughs> hopefully. And and I I feel like I'm just really tiptoeing on, on certain things, but I just really don't want to spoil it. And maybe it it's 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 it makes sense. I mean, maybe it's obvious what it is, but I just. Don't wanna ruin anything. Cause I, I think I feel like you should go and see it. You know, as soon as you can. Whether if you're gonna wait till streaming, I would rent it as soon as it's available, you know, somewhere because you know, you want to avoid those spoilers. Cause I feel like well, if you know the spoilers, it's gonna kinda ruin the movie because then you're like, well, what's the point? And I, I just really like the whole experience. And i really I think spoilers for this could really ruin the movie. And as far as all the drama and stuff going on, like I said, who cares? I don't I don't care about any of that. I, I just hope everyone's happy and and you know they just want to make this this cool movie and it wasn't as cool as it could have been but it still was pretty cool and that's all I'm gonna say about that So with that, that is going to be another episode. So big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Uh, I, I usually talk about comics. I talk about John Burns, Fantastic Four. Last week I talked about Olivia, Newton John, John Travolta, Two of a Kind. Um, you know, I'm thinking maybe this week I might do another off my mind topic. i have to figure something out. And then I need to figure out what story, comic, story arc I may cover next. So we'll see about that. And again, open to suggestions, anything that you'd want to hear me. Dig deeper into uh, outside of of this regular podcast since there's so much crammed into this podcast as far as next week what is the the main feature going to be I don't think there's anything opening up in theaters next week let's see so um yeah, I don't think I mean uh blonde comes out on Netflix I don't know if that's really like a podcast feature movie hocus pocus 2 is out (laughs) i don't know if i'm gonna see it oh there's smile um i am kind of curious about smile it looks like it could be a cheesy horror movie but i like horror movies and i kind of like cheesy horror movies i may see that if there's a a screening i don't know if that's going to be playing at my theater hopefully it is um i also um there's a the david bowie movie that i don't know the documentary i don't know if that is um really enough the um, moonage daydream so you can hear about that i i'm I'm definitely going to talk about that next week i just don't know if that'll be the main feature because it's it's um it it was that was supposed to be like an imax only movie but it played at my local theater because i it's like i could have gone into the city i'm sure seeing it in imax would have been amazing but it's like i don't want to drive all the way to city because it's just such a pain and parking and everything like that so i'll definitely talk about that whether there'll be something bigger i still want to see pearl i don't think i don't know when i'm going to see that but that is going to be it for this week so hopefully this wasn't too long for you hopefully you are doing well hopefully everything is going keen in your life your, your things are going smoothly you're happy you're doing good things and i hope you remember to be good to each other